The following program is presented by Atmark Media. Tonight's episode of the PWC Wednesday Night Skirmish is brought to you by Z Apollo Photography. Visit zapollophotography.com for all your photography needs. Welcome to Hami Media Group, or as the cool kids say, HMG. We're here to provide you with the very best entertainment alternative media has to offer. Thank you to all our supporters who have made us what we are today. Follow us on social media, video, and podcast platforms at Hami Media Group. Become a subscriber to Hami Media Group at Patreon.com for great free daily content as well as off the top rope extras. Subscribe to our affiliate Patreon channels with a plethora of fun content on various tiers that will bring tears of joy to your eyes. Vince Russo's The Brand, The Rip Rogers FR Podcast, Stevie Ray TV, Goldilocks, The A Show with Aaron Stevens and April Hunter, The Two Man Power Trip, Velvet Sky and Angelina Love, The Beautiful People. And now, the Larry Hankin Stories. Support your favorite HMG and independent pro wrestling talent at ProWrestlingTees.com. Enjoy the ultimate meal with Zordos Ultra Premium Extra Virgin Olive Oil. Head over to ZordosOliveOil.com. Start your day with the best cup of joe, bro. Try a fantastic selection of flavorful coffee blends at TheBrosters.com. StevieRichardsFitness.com. Get off that couch and make a healthy change without leaving your home. Amazing resistance band and yoga workout programs at an affordable price that will help you become a band new you. Hear from the pros who live the biz, bro, with talent that have worked for every major organization led by the man who put the attitude back in pro wrestling and in your ear holes. It's got to be russosbrand.com bro again we'd like to thank you for joining us here at hmg and now it's time to be entertained in this state 
where he was born, where he lives, in the southern part of the state, in Aaron's Creek. Aaron's Again, Creek. Yeah, Tony, about 150 miles from here, right. a population of about 150 people, and one of them is the All Elite Wrestling World Champion. You got a college degree at Virginia Tech while still a teenager. Yeah, how about that? Smart champion. And he is beloved, not only here in his own state, but I got a feeling this one going to hear all over the world. What a moment it was at Full Gear when Hangman Adam Page finally was crowned AEW World Champion. He earned it by beating the best in the world. That's what Kenny Omega is, the best in the world in that respect. No controversy. The better man won on Saturday night. right there. I'm going to stop you if you don't mind. I'm sorry. Uh, I didn't deserve it. I haven't earned it. a little more reserved. I don't come out here and flap my gums too often, but I don't know, I'm the AEW World Champion, so I think I'll do whatever the hell I want. But look, look, I'm still just a man with a job and a boss to answer to. And I told you all at our very first press conference that that boss was you. So, if my boss will allow, I would love to stay in this ring and celebrate National Cowboy Shit Day with you. championship uh, carries a lot of weight and I know that it means a lot or a lot of responsibility and uh, after full gear I know that that responsibility next is the American Dragon Brian Danielson <laughs> Brian Danielson is wrestling not because he needs the money he's wrestling because he likes to compete, and he likes the physicality. He likes to prove himself every day that he's the best in the business. Danielson was just telling Uno, you want to disrespect me by slapping him in the face? He hit a rolling elbow strike, dropped Uno, and hit maybe five or six left and right-handed palm strikes. Evil Uno's left some DNA on the chest of uh, Brian Danielson. Black boot in the corner from Danielson, Uno is hung up in the ropes. Danielson comes back with a second. 
It is so important for someday oh, Brian Danielson to win the AEW World title. He's on that trail right now, but tonight he's got to get past Evil Uno. And Evil Uno hit the high boot across the jaw of Danielson, and now the set on Atomico. Danielson, the knees up. Danielson saw that one coming quite vividly. And Uno, after having his spine tenderized by Danielson earlier, boots psycho knee by Danielson. That's how he put away Minoru Suzuki. And uh, Ryan is very spirited tonight, shall we say. And be moving and earning that number one contendership has kind of, I don't want to say, he's a little fire. Is, uh, he's where he needs to be mentally, it seems to me like. Danielson using the flat of his boot to pound the head of Evil Uno. And that flat of the boot is legal. And now to the triangle sleeper, and immediately Uno goes out. There is the American Dragon, Brian Danielson. And look at that, Danielson not letting go immediately. Sending a message not just to Evil Uno, not just the rest of the Dark Order, but to our AEW World Champion Hangman Adam Page. Take another look at some of the action that we just saw and experience the amazing athleticism, the abilities, the wrestling skills, the toughness, the focus. And by God, he's going to be the next AEW World Champion. Tony Schiavone is standing by. He's going to be talking to the number one contender. All right, Brian Danielson, things got a little testy out here between you and the world champ, and uh, the fans are letting you hear it here, buddy. Yeah, you know what? You know what, I came out here to congratulate Hangman Adam Page, and because of his behavior, I ended up kicking his head in. So guess what? I don't know when it will be, but until I fight Adam Page for the AEW World Championship, I'm gonna take every member of the Dark Order and kick all their heads in. And you know what? Next week, we're in Chicago. I hear there's a Dark Order member who's actually from Chicago. So guess what? Colt Cabana, if you've got any nuts, I'm gonna kick your head in in Chicago next week. Danielson defeated Miro in the finals of the AEW 
World Championship Eliminator Tournament to earn his shot at Hangman Adam Page. You don't think it's fun to be a fan and be at an AEW event live? Look around. It's amazing. Standing, they got their favorites. What an atmosphere. What a great time to be a pro wrestling fan. This is a big time moment right here, guys. I came out to essentially say one thing. Congratulations, Hangman Adam Page. So I, I'm, I'm not gonna lie, I'm super excited for this match for the AEW World Championship. But, to be fair, I'm a little surprised and disappointed that it's not Kenny Omega standing across the ring from me right now. Well, you, well you're right, it's not Kenny Omega because I beat his ass in full gear. And actually, if I'm not mistaken, I managed to do it in less than 30 minutes. Oh. Listen, listen, I, I didn't come out here to start any beef between us. I didn't I didn't I didn't want any of that. Although to be fair. You're not gonna be wrestling somebody who's gonna dress up as a Ghostbuster on Halloween. I'm coming to kick some ass. And if you guys wanna see cowboy shit, apparently cowboy shit doesn't involve wrestling. I'm out here wrestling every week and you're just out here flapping your gums. So, so hey, hey, some people celebrate like that. When I won the world championship at WrestleMania, I wrestled the very next day. I wrestled the very next day. Of course, Virginia boos hard work. Well, uh, if you want to go ahead and wrestle for this championship, I don't see any reason we can't do it right here in Virginia. Do you guys want to see me wrestle Hangman Page tonight? You see, here's the thing. Normally, I'd be up for it. No, no, no. Normally, I'd be up for it. But here's the thing. I'm out here. I'm ready. I'm ready to wrestle. 
I've got my gear on, you've got cowboy boots on and jeans and some sort of horrible leather jacket. And, and here's the thing, when I got here, everybody told me that Hangman Adam Page has a long list of excuses for why he's failed his entire career. I don't want to beat you for the AEW World Championship and for you to have the excuse that you're not ready. All right, we'll have it your way. I guess we won't have the match tonight. And look, I know Virginia's for lovers. But I'll still fight. Uh-oh, here we Slow go. Down here. Boiling over between the champion and the number one contender who cannot wait to get their hands on each other in what I believe will be an all-time classic. Actually, I'm kind of surprised the war of words and the heat between the two, how quickly it escalated here, Excalibur. Yeah, the tension has really ratcheted up, but Brian Danielson making it clear. All your little friends stop us. You don't really want to fight right now. Wow. Well, Brian's showing a lot of guts. Yeah, he is. He's to be out here by himself.
Hello, everybody, and welcome. It's Wednesday night, and you know what that means. It's time for the PwC Presents the Wednesday Night Skirmish. We're at we're on at Markia.com, PwC, and PW Hustle Networks. Uh, We've got a full show tonight. We've got me, Christopher Rams. That's A-M-B-S. Lambs with bullshit first thing in the morning. I'm on with my regular co-host, Jimmy T, uh, all the way from the People's Republic of Australia. Jimmy, how's communism this week? Communism is over. <laughs> communism is actually over for now, Chris. But like I was saying about Dickhead Dan in AEW, well, Dickhead Dan in Melbourne, Australia is still a dickhead. So fuck you, Dan Andrews. Fuck you, Dan Andrews. Well, um, hopefully not fuck you to the next two people who are here. Uh, and I guess we'll see what their opinions are, and we'll go from there. Uh, first of all, we've got uh, the evil original Malachi, Jeff Lippman, uh, from all of his shows. Jeff, give yourself a little plug and tell the people where they can regularly find you, because, uh, well, we know who that you are. I always feel, I'm giving myself a plug. Thank you, though, for the, for the suggestion. Uh, you can find me at the Garden of Doom. You can find me at Hammerlock Hangover. And you can find me on many fine shows that, that Jimmy has me perform on and, and occasionally will drop, including the Monday Machismo and the Conflict and all sorts of other stuff where we had fun bits like the Racist Olympics uh, <laughs> and, and Jimmy falling asleep while reading copy. So it was awesome. Check out those shows. Uh, and I'm really enjoying the Robo Chris voice. I just want to say, Battlestar Galactica, engage by your command. Uh, all right. Well, hopefully it gets better here, sir. Guys, I'm having some issues with my internet. <laughs> You're all right, better. Okay. Uh, anyways, um, also with us, uh, the, uh, the doctor, Michael Jargo. Uh, Jargo, thanks so much for being on with us. Um, thanks so much for having us on your network. So um, I'm not sure if it's your show or our show. It's it's kind of a little bit of everything, isn't it? It's the listener show, Chris. It's the listener show. See, I'm a baby face over at the PWC, whereas, you know, I'm typically a heel everywhere else I go, which is why they only bring me on to review Dynamite, let alone a fantastic Dynamite. Not a whole lot of bad things to say about this show, but... I do have to point out that Bears eat beats. Bears beats <laughs> Battlestar Galactica. <laughs> Any no, office watchers will get that reference. I, I mean, and in a really strange twist of fate, I've never actually sat down to watch Battles, Battlestar Galactica, but legitimately today... This morning, before I went to work, I watched the first episode of Battlestar Galactica. Uh, so, what a weird world wow. we live in. Original or reboot? The reboot. The the reboot. I, I you know, the, the original is very old, and I have no idea where I would find that. But uh, the reboot is on Amazon Prime, at least here in Canada. I'm, I'm a little obsessed with Battlestar Galactica, so when you're done with it, we may have to do a podcast. In fact, I, I just tweeted to Katie Sackoff, uh, uh, Starbuck, if she wanted to do the podcast with me. I'm sure she will ignore me, but that, that was worth a try. <laughs> Sweet. Um, also, she should have been Captain Marvel. Fight me. Um, uh, let's get into some news. Let's get into some news. Uh, we're going to start outside of professional wrestling because this is a big deal, at least where Jimmy's from. Jimmy, it seems as though if 
they, they canceled the project. Are you sad? <laughs> First of all, how the fuck did you know about the project? <laughs> That's impressive. I know all. <laughs> well, I am not disappointed because the show is for the trash, to be honest, right? And that idiot that hosts the show, I'm glad he's not hosting anymore. Put it that way. Yeah, not Mustafa Ali, but something something similar to that. Yeah, that guy can go fuck himself. <laughs> They're the same race, so ironically. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. and the race racist Olympics begins. The Pakistan racist Olympics begins. Dude, actually, there we go. Me. Jimmy two, everyone else zero. <laughs> <laughs> what Jimmy two? I didn't I didn't ask for this, but anyway, screw the project and screw the host. I won't even mention his name. But you yeah, will mention his race and um, country. <laughs> It is what it is. <clears throat> He's awful. Everyone else on that show is awful. Is awful. Thank God the project is finally canceled. <laughs> um, also, want to give a little shout out to uh, Ray Hernandez and Jamie the Vet Williams, who uh, who really uh, gave us some love on the Next Level podcast this week. Um, it was kind of cool to, to hear that. Um, I can't imagine why anyone would have anything nice to say about me, but they both had very nice things to say about me, Jimmy, and our show. So thank you very much. Um, Shout out to the professor who's promoting communism in the chat. <laughs> Shout out to the prof. Prof. <laughs> ah, prof. <clears throat> all right. Um, well, let's talk about some wrestling news here. We've got a couple of little things. First of all, um, seems as though Kenny Omega is dealing with a little bit of some nagging injuries and maybe looking for some time off. Does anybody have any uh, deeper understanding of this or any major worries for Kenny Omega? Because I just think that it's probably good for him to take some time off right now, even creatively. Well, yeah, he's, he's actually injured and has been injured for the last like 18 months, I believe, but he's been holding out so he doesn't have to get surgery. That way he doesn't have to disappear for about a year. So apparently he's going to take some time off and I'm sure he'll be back, say, in about a month or two. The only thing I will add to it is that I heard that he might need surgery. So I know he's been doing homeopathy. He's been doing the, the cupping, the uh, a lot of Eastern medicine uh, alternative, uh, homeopathic versus allopathic medicines. Uh, they may not have been enough. He may have to go... Uh, uh, allopathic, which most people just call Western traditional medicine routes. And so he may be out longer than that. Apparently he could not, he couldn't lift like 15 pounds over his head with his shoulder. So it's pretty bad. This isn't exactly new news. It's, it's just sort of reached the apotheosis of old news. That's right. That's true. Kenny has been injured since before he left new Japan pro wrestling. Um, he, he, I don't think we've ha ever had more than 70% of Kenny Omega inside of an AEW ring at this point. And in a weird way, it's kind of worked out because this is what really drove the tag team of Kenny Omega and Hangman Page first getting together as a team to begin with, which culminated at full gear that entire two-year story, right? So now Kenny's going to take a little bit of time off. We saw a couple of seeds laid throughout Dynamite that kind of gives us a little bit of an indication where he's going to go when he comes back. Uh, so I think this is good all the way around because Kenny 
probably more than any other star inside of AEW does feel like he could use a refresh at this point. And if we can get, you know, the Omega Okada version of Kenny back inside of AEW an actually healthy version of Kenny Omega, that's going to be good for everybody and all parties involved. So best wishes to the cleaner and hopefully we see you back soon. My only thing, Jimmy is if this shoulder is as bad as I'm kind of hearing, I think that you're probably looking more like double or nothing for a return of Kenny Omega. Oof. See, I'm thinking he might not go the surgery route still, because that's what I'm hearing. But if he does, don't be surprised if, 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 it's, if he doesn't come back even beyond double or nothing. Did you guys see the video of Kenny Omega getting a chiropractic adjustment before full yeah, gear? I did. It's I like definitely five minutes of this dude literally with a giant hammer and <sighs> chisel like putting Kenny's shoulder back into place. It's absolutely insane to watch that. I mean, it's, and it's also a, like a 45 minute interview at the same time. Yeah. So the guy's like, just kind of talking to him, keeping his mind off of what he's actually doing. And every once <laughs> yeah. in a while, well, Kenny just like, can't even speak because the pain is so freaking intense. Well, good news for Mr. Omega. He is a, he's an employee an EVP with full health insurance benefits. So he will both be paid and his and he has insurance to cover him. So don't, you know, uh, while you can feel bad for him, don't worry about him financially. Extra lucky for him. He's also Canadian. So if he just went home, he could get it all for free anyway. There you go. Communism. Yay. It is a form of communism, right? I mean, when you think about it, so fuck. There's a difference between socialism is socialized medicine. Well, I know. Hey, it's the same with us too, Chris. I mean, come on. <laughs> All right. I think we're on the wrong show. Yeah. No. <laughs> All right. Moving on here. We're going to stick with injuries, but switch people. As Keith Lee uh, stated after his release that the WWE did not pay his medical bills while he was working for them. The WWE has recently said, you're full of shit, Bearcat. So what the fuck's going on with this? So many questions. I mean, I didn't... I mean, it wasn't an in-ring injury to my knowledge, so I didn't know that WWE offered healthcare. Maybe there's some sort of group benefit that they can buy into, and perhaps he did, uh, like an HMO kind of thing. I, I wasn't even aware this was available to them, so this is strange on a lot of levels, and I'm very disappointed that the people who broke the story didn't do follow-up questions on some rather obvious points. I don't know what the story is. I hear that Keith is an, is an upright guy. Now, listen, th there's, there is a place where you can thread this needle where everyone's telling the truth. He might have been paying his premium. And Jeff is out of the building. A portion that was paid by whatever oh, this benefit Jeff. is. So oh, both things can be true at the same time. There were no follow-up questions asked. And until I know more, I don't want to say more. Knowing WWE's reputation, and it's not very often that I will side with WWE on a topic, but uh, in this case, I'm inclined to agree with the company. Um, we'll, we'll, we just got to wait for more information to come out about this thing. To me, the real story is WWE thought that this was important enough that they sold for it and actually issued a statement about it. So that, to me, is the most interesting part of the story. Absolutely. And I think he's... Look, he's obviously talking a bit of liquor, shall, shall I say. I mean, I don't know. Look, he's, he seems to come across a little bit bitter in, in many ways. Look, it is what it is. Hopefully he gets better, whatever whatever the situation is, if he's not better already. 
But I can see him appearing in an AEW ring real soon, actually. I can just see him. I, I see TK getting him for sure. Only way I bring oh, him in is yay. with Shane More wrestlers. <laughs> Sorry, Chris. You're, de- you're delayed, dude, just a little bit. It's all right. Great. Um, well, uh, we'll we'll keep on trying to run through this delay. Then uh, there's a video package to start off to start us off with the main show here, as uh, Kenny Omega's backstage with the Super Elite. He says that he may be away for a while, obviously referencing the injury. Um, he says, uh, you know, you guys make sure you hold shit down while I'm away. And uh, Cole goes, Oh, don't worry, buddy, I got you. And then Kenny was like. I meant the Bucks. So they're already starting to sow some seeds there for a little bit of dissension. Um, I cannot wait for Adam Cole to get the fuck away from the Young Bucks um, and do something interesting because so far he's basically been brought in there to be uh, their lackey and I fucking hate it. Um, Does anybody else have any other thoughts about this video package? I mean, the only thing I think is that I think that it's going to end up being that when we get Kenny coming back, they're going to turn him back into a baby face and it's going to be Cole who's staying with the buck. So I don't think you're going to get your wish. I think you're just going to have Adam Cole being the leader. I don't know what Don Callis is going to do or not, but he's probably the least important person in this equation, even though him and Omega are gold together. But Don Callis with a face, I, I don't think is important. So, um, and later on, they they you know tease the undisputed era Bobby Fish, you know whether he's going to be a failure with them or they're Frankie Kazarian, or you know uh, people awaiting Kyle O'Reilly to come back or whatever it is, you know that that door is open. No pun intended on the forbidden door, but I mean it's a little quick. But listen, Kenny's injuries created a necessity to. So everyone knew this story was coming. And one thing about AEW fans, they love reruns. They they love seeing ends of matches, iconic ends being replayed in front of them. They like seeing the same story. Like, this is what happened in Bullet Club. This is what happened in Ring of Honor. They love that. It excites them. So why not? Give, give them what they want. Who cares? See, now, I, I don't view this as a replay of what happened in Ring of Honor. I view this as the continuation of what was happening inside of Ring of Honor before Kenny Omega murdered Adam Cole inside <laughs> of the Being the Elite universe, right? Um, everybody remembers the Kenny versus Cody feud over the IWGP title and Cody when he had the, the actual Ring of Honor. I mean, everything was, you know, Bullet Club is fine. Everybody remembers that. But before Cody, there was kind of this tension between Adam Cole and Bullet Club United States, Kenny Omega, Bullet Club Japan, who's really in charge, and the Bucks were the stepkid going back and forth between parents on the weekends. (laughs) So it seems like we're just going to continue that story without the murder of Adam Cole. Uh, I do completely agree with Jeb. This is how Kenny's coming back. Kenny's coming back a baby face. Um, and I assume clean shaven. And uh, I, I'm very, very intrigued to see where this story goes because while it's kind of a replay of what happened in Ring of Honor, we never got the payoff inside of Ring of Honor. So I, this is a story I'm absolutely here for with Adam Cole and Kenny Omega. So once again, Cody interjected himself into a story like I just did into Jimmy's turn and 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 made it about him and, and delayed the story to to allow. That's okay. I will accept, I will accept Jargo's uh the Jargonauts interpretation of a possible alternative interpretation of this. Well, I just want to say um I, I'm not sure if Cody's gonna be involved in this storyline or not. 
Oh no, I don't. I don't assume he will. Yeah, I wasn't saying that. Yeah. We were talking about the past. Well, yeah. Well, yes, that's right. But in the future, I don't think he'll be part of it anyway. And as far as Adam Cole goes, I do think they will address him dying on being the elite, which was at the PWG event in Rosita, right? If if my memory serves me right, yep. I do think they will. They will address it. But for now, I do see like what Jeff said before. I do see. Adam Cole manipulating the Bucks or vice versa to take over the elite. Kenny comes back. Maybe we'll get a Golden Lovers reunion at that point, possibly. And then we're off to the races. We'll see what happens. But Jago, I know you want to say something. Well, the the thing that really stood out to me about this entire little video package that we've been talking about longer than it actually aired um, (laughs) was Kenny saying, I can't do that here. Right. Which really makes me wonder if possibly we see Kenny Omega show up, I don't know, like January 4th or oh, 5th or dude. 7th at, you know, a little place called Wrestle Kingdom. At the, at the which, egg shell? Which would make sense. Like, Kenny has to go back to his roots to find himself again. and He reunites with Ibushi or maybe they fight finally. Like, whatever. I could see Kenny going back to a quick tour of Japan at least a lay seeds for what's coming next because i tell you what aew dynamite can't get the rainmaker's name out their mouth yeah that's facts man and i agree with you jago 100 i do see kenny appearing i hope so at wrestle kingdom at the tokyo dome but time will tell yeah wonderful uh kenny's gonna go back to japan um yeah all right um the show proper starts off with uh, the Dark Order in the ring. Um, you know, Jargo, you said there wasn't too much to complain about. I'm complaining as soon as we as, as soon as we hit a live shot because it's the Dark Order in my motherfucking ring. Um, <clears throat> they introduced Hangman Page, and God damn it, they need to get Hangman Page away from these fucking goofballs. Um, he makes his entrance. Uh, everybody loves him, of course. They're in Virginia. Uh, he's from a small town uh, in Virginia with, of only about 150 people. That's pretty cool. Uh, the town I'm from has about 300 people in it. So I understand the whole being a small town kid thing. Um, I still haven't actually, you know, made good. But at least, you know, I understand being the small town kid. Um <clears throat> He says he's uh, he, he interrupts the crowd who are chanting, "You deserve it, you deserve it." He said, "I don't, I didn't deserve it, I earned it," which are not mutually exclusive ideas. Um, he's going to celebrate National Cowboy Shit uh, Day, and uh, yeah, he mentions that uh, they're gonna he, he's going to have a match against uh, Brian Danielson. And as soon as he says uh, that name, Danielson's music hits, uh, which I thought was pretty cool. Um, Brian is still in a plain white tee. I realize after this, after this, uh, segment that they're turning him heel. He needs a t-shirt though. I I don't care. He needs a t-shirt. Um, make you some money. Um, Jack at each other a little bit. Um, hangman says I beat Kenny in under three minutes. Uh, Danielson says, uh, of course, Virginia booze, hard work, which was the hard heel turn. Uh, good amount of heat between the two of them. That's good. Um, they basically have a little pull apart. It doesn't really go anywhere. And we go to commercial. Um, Jargo, 
what did you think about this segment? Did you like it? Are you? Are, do you think that this is a, an interesting way to go with these two, or do you think that there was a different way they should have done this? I enjoyed the segment, and I understand why people don't like Hangman Page hanging out with the Dark Order. But my counter to that is this is actually how you book a baby face, um, which is something that, you know, the WWE forgot how to do about 20 years ago. Hangman is the everyman, right? He's from small town, Virginia, and he's even friends with the nerds. Like he, like, if you think about this as high school, he's like the high school quarterback, but he still hangs out with the nerds because the nerds are good people. To me, that's the relationship between the dork order. I mean, the dark order and hangman page. Right. So I was, I was totally fine with it. The way that they had everything set up, hangman comes out, cuts his little promo, which was fine. Brian comes out. Business absolutely picks up now. There, there's one other really, really fun aspect to this entire Brian Danielson thing that I don't think anybody else has picked up on yet. But we'll, we'll get to that in the post-match between him and Evil Uno and the matchup coming up with Brian Danielson and Colt Cabana in Chicago. Uh, I'm not convinced that this is a Danielson heel turn. I'm convinced that finally the attitude of Brian Danielson is matching what he's been doing in the ring the entire time that he's been in AEW. He's been wrestling like a heel and everybody just wants to cheer him. Now we're finally seeing dickhead Dan Jr. come <laughs> out inside of Brian Danielson. And I, I'm cool with it. But I'm not sure that it's necessarily going to be a face heel dynamic with Brian. I think Brian's just there to kick your fucking head in. And it doesn't matter. It, he will be whatever he is opposite of inside of the ring. If he's in there with a heel and you want to cheer him, cool. If he's in there kicking your hometown guy's ass like he's going to be doing over the course of the next several weeks, which is going to be awesome. He's like become the WWE. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Like he's going to beat everybody in their hometown. He's going to reference him winning the championship at WrestleMania. To me, that was the real heel turn. If anybody absolutely. wants to, you know absolutely. what I mean? Like yep. I thought this was absolutely brilliant, but I don't necessarily take it as a heel turn, just more as Brian Danielson establishing. I am Brian Danielson. I'm not Daniel Bryan. I'm not your hometown. Oh, golly gee, darn guy that they portrayed me as in the wwe i'm gonna kick your fucking head in okay uh jimmy um if somebody's in uh melbourne and uh they're at a wrestling show in melbourne and they're facing somebody from melbourne and in that uh, and 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 in the promo before the match they say oh of course melbourne booze hard work is that guy a heel or not <laughs> In my opinion, he is a heel. And is he a opinion, heel or is he just a dick? Well, he's a dick, definitely a dick. But Jago, I'm gonna have to disagree with you on one thing. I do think this is a full blown heel turn, in my opinion, right? Everything else you said is spot on. Also, I want to point out, did this segment not feel like a WWE-esque segment? I mean, this was pure WWE like type stuff, but done properly though, in saying that. And to me, this segment was totally awesome. I loved it. The interaction between Hangman and, and Brian Danielson was was just totally off, off the hook, man, for me. And the Dark Order, Dark Order, whatever the fuck they are, they're just there to be the foils just to give Daniel Bryan more heat. Or sorry, Brian Danielson more heat. That's all they're there for. 
And I think we're going to get an absolute ripper of a match between Brian Danielson and Hangman Page. And I still think Danielson will be going over. But as far as him being a Shades of Grey or maybe Bret Hart-esque sort of Jago, like the way you sort of, you know, said it, I think he's going to be a shade up heel. That's just me, though. I, I think what this is, because we saw this with the Eddie Kingston program that Brian did too, right? Where Brian's kind of a dick, but he's doing it out of love because he's trying to right. pull the best in you out. Like if, if this ends with Brian Danielson shaking hands with Hangman Page after Hangman defeats him, I don't consider that a heel turn. Well, you, know what I, you know what I'm saying? Right, right. That's, that's completely different. If he earns his respect, then yeah, we'll see what happens. But for now, he's definitely going to be playing the hill. And I'm looking forward to it, man. I can't wait. I was personally, I wanted to, I was hoping that we had a match on Dynamite. That way, he could have taken the strap off him right away. That would have been awesome, in my opinion. But uh, I guess not. But man, Jago, I just want to say, you know, us two on the, on the blow off, we've been saying this for weeks, man. We've been pointing out how this is not done by mistake. This is no coincidence. This was done by design. And it was leading up to what we saw on Wednesday night. And it worked perfectly, man. And I'm surprised a lot of people out there are actually surprised by this turn. To me, the, the biggest indication of a heel turn, if you want to go into the whole heel turn thing, is the fact that he came out in a white t-shirt. Because any real heel doesn't want you wearing their freaking t-shirt. Because right. why would you wear the dickhead's t-shirt? And so to me, if anything says, yes, this is a full-on heel turn for Brian Danielson, it's the fact that he was wearing nothing but a white T-shirt. Well said. Okay. Absolutely. Well, so, uh, Jeff. So many thoughts dancing through my little head. Um, one, I understand what we're talking about with the Dark Order. I understand the positions, but being around them, makes him lower it reduces him it diminishes him it doesn't elevate him i get the common man thing but he doesn't have enough of the spark to raise above that to elevate above that he came out to what i would call a good solid pop and when he showed the belt he got, got another good solid pop he did not get the same pop that adam cole gets he did not get the same pop that cm punk gets Frankly, I'm not sure he got the same pop, pop that some of the other wrestlers that came out. And he's the new champion. I, I know that I have a predisposed bias to think that he's mediocre. So maybe it's just I'm seeing what I want to see in that. But I really do like the guy. I mean, it, it's funny that when Jargo was describing correctly the history in New Japan and, and Ring of Honor with the Bullet Club and Cody and all that the stepchild he forgot to mention was Hangman Adam Page. He was also one of the stepchildren. Right, right. He was sort of going back and forth. He's not forgettable. Okay. Uh, enough about that. First of all, he was wearing a Virginia's for Losers shirt. I know it's supposed to be Virginia's for Lovers, but it could easily have been Virginia's for Losers. Bad choice. Brian is definitely a heel. There, there's no two ways about it. And uh, I'm not going to repeat points you guys made. I'm just going to add one. He did the chicken shit thing of, I want to fight you tonight, except you're not exactly ready, and I don't want you to have an excuse, you know, and, and but you're hiding behind all your buddies, even though he's not hiding behind anyone. I mean, so the, it, it was total heel tactics. The only thing he didn't do was go medieval on evil Uno, but he probably knew that it's eight on one at some point there, because he has no friends left now that he's gone heel, and because um, other friends are the jerk Rassica Park and uh, Express anyway, and they're busy. Um, 
But this was, it was a little bit abrupt, but no more abrupt than the Kingston uh, punk uh, left turn when they had to do that. So once it was done, I thought it was done well. Brian knocked it out of the park. I have concerns about Paige, but, you know, I love that he dropped WrestleMania. Somebody actually posted on, on Twitter, is he allowed to say WrestleMania legally? Mm-hmm. Are you kidding me? Didn't you just see the Eternals? They actually talked about Superman, and are you going by Clark now? Of course he's allowed to say the word. He's not allowed to say, come see AEW WrestleMania. Um, <laughs> but anyway, this was interesting, but then we get to the downfall of this part. I thought hour two was much better than hour one, despite this being a really interesting beginning. And that's because we get Daniel Bryan having trouble with evil Uno, who is a man who is built worse than I am. I'm I'm also curious if this was the original plan, because part of this makes me wonder if Moxley was supposed to be in this spot instead of Bryan Danielson. He was. And, and I, that would make a lot of sense with Danielson trying to project himself as a more edgy type of character, more a la John Moxley. Well, he's going to get more. I mean, I mean, I'm predicting this is not a bold prediction for everyone here. We're predicted is that he's going to get more and more brutal and more and more medieval as he goes through the other six members of the dark order. I did like the, uh, the shout out to, I got till five which is the the greatest heel line in the history of professional wrestling. Yeah, there was, uh, this match was one of those things that was uh, very frustrating. And I've been saying this since Danielson has come in, he gives way too much opponents and he has in every single match he's been in about the only one that was really appropriate that I, that I thought was the match with Kenny Omega and the match with Miro. Other than that, he needs to take about 70% of these matches with these guys. And again, Against someone like Evil Uno, he should have taken 8%. This should have been an absolute thing where Uno got one, maybe two hope spots. Um, the one thing I did love was that um, after he had already basically finished him, uh, the, he, he, he shake, he's shaking his finger at the crowd saying, no, no, it's not over yet. He looks into the camera and says very fucking clearly, he is going to get his fucking head kicked in. Um Thank you, uh, TNT, for um, all of the fucks to uh, to air this week. There's, there's plenty of them. We'll call out Love some it. more later. Uh, yeah, but I, yeah, about 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 this, like they need to they need to have a conversation with everybody backstage, and they need to make it very clear that everyone has a role on the show. Sometimes your role is to get your fucking ass kicked and get in. Like, that's what you're there for. Evil Uno taking on Brian Danielson, your role is to get the shit kicked out of you. Your role is not to do all your cool moves and make sure you get 15 minutes out of them. That's just nonsense. And, um, yeah, it's a problem, and it's something that I really seriously hope they fix going forward. I love the challenge to Colt Cabana next week in Chicago. The following week, they are in Georgia. And I forget which one of the members of the Dork Order is from Georgia. The following week, they are in uh, Long Island, where John Silver is from. So this is just going to be like the Daniel Bryan kicking in the Dark Order's head in their hometown. And I, I just think that's genius booking. Just absolutely freaking genius booking all the way around. 
My only problem Absolutely. with the booking there is <laughs> okay. Maybe this is just me and Jeff. Um, but Brian says until Page gives me the title shot, I'm gonna kick in everyone's head from the Dark Order. How can anyone boo this man? He he just said he's gonna beat the shit out of everyone from the Dark Order. I'm all for it. This is great. This is you have my vote, uh, Brian Danielson. Uh, Jeff, am I wrong here, or does this kind of remake him a face? No, you're you're well, well, well you're you're right to, to you and I, not to AW universe. But I mean, the part that I thought you were gonna say is that like whatever it was 37 minutes before, however long that Evil Uno match went for. Hangman Page actually said, we can do it tonight. So what's he talking about? Saying, yeah, one day you're going to give me a match. It's like, Page is like, hello, I even changed my boots and got rid of my ridiculous share jacket. Come on. <laughs> well, Chrissy's like right. That time. <laughs> yeah. Well, Chrissy's right about the Dark Order. I, I think Brian Danielson does give too much to his opponents. Way too much. But I'm hoping, now people think next week with Colcabana it's going to be a competitive match. I don't believe that will be that. I think you absolutely murder him next week in his hometown in a pulp of blood, hopefully, because I'm sick of Cole Cabana, man, over the years. I just, I don't want to see him anymore on my TV screen. He, man, I prefer Yano any day over Cole Cabana. Cole Cabana ain't even funny to me, man. Travesty. At least Colt can wrestle. He can, but I just, come on, man. I, I prefer Scotty Goldman at this point. Oh, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Awful. All right. At this point in the show here, we get a, we get a backstage interview with MJF, uh, which was directly after his match with Derby at the pay-per-view. Gives a solid promo here saying that he's more than just a talker. He can wrestle too. Um, I mean, he showed it at the pay-per-view. That was a good wrestling match. And um, I don't think that you can pin that entirely on Darby Allen, although I do think that Darby Allen is a solid in-ring competitor when he's not kicking out at one and everything. Um, yeah, that was a good little promo from MJF. We'll hear more from him later. Um, some dudes come up I, and I pick just, a fight with Eddie Kingston. Chris, hang on one second. I, I just want to point out something about that MJF promo. Everybody talks about how good MJF is, but he goes for cheap heat. When he's out there in front of the fans, I think this is the first time we've seen like a backstage promo out of MJF and he did the same goddamn thing. Like somebody start putting some respect on this kid's name because he's really freaking good. It's not all just cheap heat. Just yeah. wanted to throw I, I, that I have two comments on this. I agree with everything you just said, which is not one of the comments. Um, one of them was that they didn't need us to have two MJF segments in the show basically saying the same thing. Two, I liked how it went like this. He's talking about the belt, and I don't think it's any accident that Maxwell Jacob Friedman is doing a, a call-out, a shout-out to Bill Goldberg, probably the two most famous Jewish wrestlers of all time, not named mm -hmm. Barry Horowitz, and saying, who knows who's next? Jeez. And then he goes like that. That was I was like, oh, my God, Junior Goldberg. Although, Jeff, you're forgetting DDP, who's one of the most famous Jewish wrestlers also. So I uh, did not know that DDP was Jewish. Well, now so I'm knows. not forgetting. I just was ignorant. <laughs> well, there you go. No, I did I did like the segment, but like Jeff said, there's no only... No wonder so good with his money. Well, yeah, ex exactly. There you go. <laughs> but um, I, Wait, like Jeff that's said... That's one for me in the racist Olympics. That's racist. 
that is racist. He's very racist, but apparently I'm way more racist. But anyway, I guess I won the gold medal last night. I think Jeff is going to be winning the gold medal. I hate all races. I hate car races. I hate people races. I hate horse <laughs> races. <laughs> well played. That deserves gold right there just for that one. But in saying that, I, I do agree with Jeff with the um, MJF promo, how he kind of said the same shit twice. He could have, you know, used, he could have just saved that for, for the in-ring promo. But anyway, we'll get to that. I think MJF is ready, man. Uh, I think right now he's at a point where I think it'd be great for him to get a world title run. I doubt we're going to get that anytime soon. I don't know if he'll go for the TNT championship, but I think that's below him, to be honest. And his character also would say it's below him. And I hope he kind of touches up on that, in my opinion. I think he would say it. So I, I, I agree that it feels like the TNT championship is below MJF, but Sammy Guevara holding the TNT championship does not feel below MJF. I could see right. MJF wanting to take that championship away from another one of the pillars. Like, I, I feel like there's a, a much larger story that they could tell that wouldn't necessarily revolve around the TNT championship. And in that respect, I think it works. Yeah, no, you're right. Uh, look, it'd be by right. He should give him the slow build, right? Let him win the TNT championship. Let him talk his trash. Let him elevate it, right? And then you know, move on to a world title run. But something tells me that they might bypass the TNT championship and actually him actually going for the world title. I might be wrong. I don't know, but we'll see what happens. I'm fine with that, but I don't think yeah. I want to see it before. Like, I don't know, all out. Like, Why I, do you call I, it a bypass? Not a single AEW world champion has held the TNT championship. What's the difference? Actually, he's right. That's a good point. Of course I'm right. No, no, he's right. No, you're right, Jeff. That, that's a good point. I didn't think of that. But it would Evil also make sense. Right. It would also make wrong. sense for MJF to be the first one to do both of those feats and be able to brag about it from now until the end of freaking time. Absolutely. Now, see, that makes more sense. Now I think I could see that happening, definitely. Chris? There is bad blood yeah, between well, the and two a championship of them. Sorry. And a championship is really only below someone um, if they book it that way. Um, they can book it as an upper mid card championship the way that WCW um, used to book their United States championship title where Sting was a champion and Ric Flair was a champion. Bret Hart was a champion. Guys just below the main event um, were U.S. champions in WCW. And that title at different moments didn't seem like it was lower mid card so it all depends on what AEW does booking uh going forward and i'd like to see them book it as, as a very strong upper mid card uh title go ahead jimmy well can i can't just say the only problem i have with the tnt championship and and you're right i hope it is the case right having it a higher you know upper mid card sort of title it's called the tnt championship that kind of uh i don't i don't like the fact that it's called tnt what the Turner Network Championship? Like, come on! Like, can you really elevate it as high as possible with a name like that? I mean, Jago, I see you sort of want to say something about it, but what do you think? TNT, Dynamite. Oh well, yeah, true. I guess I think it works. Okay, enough that when you put it like that, sure. But it's still got the TNT, the the Turner logo on it. You know what I'm yep. saying? So I don't know. We'll we'll see. Oh, I but, hate uh, it. Don't get me wrong. I wish right. they just called it the freaking TV title, but yeah, you know, absolutely, and which they could have which I don't know why they didn't, but yeah, sorry. I just had to interject there, Chris. So please continue. No, no worries. No, 
worry, man. Uh, yeah, so uh, next up here, some dudes whose name pick a fight with Eddie Kingston. Um, what, what are these guys <laughs> called again? Garcia 2.0. From... 2.0. Ah, right, right, there you go. Okay, yeah. Daniel Garcia and uh, 1.7. Uh, pick a fight with Eddie <laughs> Kingston. Um, basically just says that uh, he's going to kick Daniel Garcia's ass on Friday. And then I did like that he got he got you know a little heated at the end. He was like, "Just let me get through one goddamn promo before he walked off." <laughs> um, that was kind of cool. I love Eddie Kingston. Um, Kingston needs yeah. a win. This is a good way for Kingston to get a win. Absolutely, I agree. For sure, Jeff. For sure. All right. Next up here. Sorry. Continue. All right. All right. Next up here, we're gonna go to we're gonna this, go though. to uh, before we move on. Go, go Sorry. Ahead. Well, obviously, 2.0 are going to get involved. So who are going to be the people who come to Kingston's aid since Moxley's gone? Do you think maybe Santana and Ortiz will sort of stray from the inner circle like FDR has strayed from the pinnacle and maybe uh, reunite that group a little bit, just a little? Well, LAX and TNA? Yeah, LAX and, and TNA and Impact. have those. They, they have history together. Yeah, House of Glory right. also. True. No, that's, that's a possibility. People are kind of talking like that might happen. Even That's if it's just a rental, even if it's just a, a short term, I think that I, I mean he's going to need two friends, right? Well, what happened to Homicide? I thought he signed with AEW. I guess he never did. No, no, he didn't sign. No, they, oh, they're not signing Just a one-off. Okay, all right. No, no, because people maybe as a producer one off. day. Right. All right. Now that's cool, Chris. Alrighty. Well, moving on to what I'm sure is the main event for uh, for Jargo and and, and Jimmy here tonight uh butcher and blade take on orange cassidy <laughs> and tanya's hero mitsubishi um <clears throat> even the crowd didn't really react to hot sake's entrance here um so oh, i don't know about that was man. there, was was there some me. disappointment or what did you guys feel it would have helped if they would have had the Stone Pit Bull music. Like Ishii's music is so freaking distinct. I, I don't understand why they didn't use Ishii's music, why he didn't have his own entrance coming out to the Pixies. I mean, like, I have always complained. It has always drove me completely freaking crazy that Tomohiro Ishii is in the same faction as freaking Toriyano. Like, I cannot see those two guys hanging out. Now Ishii is in the same faction as both Toruyano and orange cassidy and i just think ishii would want to freaking murder orange cassidy like this was the most inauthentic tomohiro ishii this is the worst tomohiro ishii match i think i've ever seen and i've probably seen 500 tomohiro ishii matches <laughs> yeah well let me just say first of all i felt the crowd did react i don't know what you were hearing but look i was wearing my my headset while watching it at the time so that could be that. I don't know. But I did hear a pop. Not a loud one, but nevertheless, still a pop. Oh, and like Jago said, right. And like Jago said, why the fuck did they use Cassidy's friggin' entrance theme music? I don't know. Why is he part of chaos? Even that, I don't friggin' know. But I'll tell you Just one so thing. So we can Jago say Okada's name over and over and over on AEW TV. That's the only logical reason that Orange Cassidy is in freaking chaos. Well, Jaga, if you think we're in chaos right now, the way we feel, right? Just oh. wait till we get Okada and Orange Cassidy 
in tag matches on AEW television. You I will never see Okada on AEW television. I could see, see that on New Japan Strong. Okada is kind of a weird personality. Like, I could see Okada liking Orange Cassidy. <laughs> Tomohiro Ishii? Hell no! <laughs> I don't know what the fuck's going on with chaos right now, but that's shocking, man. But oh. I prefer Toriyanu any day over Orange Cassidy. Let's be honest, man. Seriously. I know okay. you hate him that much. The audience doesn't know who Yano is any more than they know who Ishii was, so move on. Oh, Jesus Christ. Can't believe this. Anyway, Chris, goes. He's not it. wrong. <clears throat> okay. Uh, well, um, yeah. Oh, uh, wait, Cassidy wait, I, if the it's the same it. fucking joke that he... Wait, can I do I get my turn on my 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 uh my oh, reaction to it? First of all, there was absolutely no pop when they came out. There was a pop later when they made a tag to Ishii once the crowd realized they were supposed to. But I owe an apology, not to Jargo, but to the estate of King Kong Bundy. Because I called this guy King Mini King Kong Bundy, and that is an insult beyond insults. This guy reminds me of every sanit every janitor that works from 12 a.m. till 6 a.m. in every office building in the world. This guy, he has a body of a 67-year-old man with the face of a 20-year-old. It's the strangest thing I've ever goddamn seen. It's like a video game creature. This, and, and this was a, the only thing I'm thankful for is that all of Hardy family office didn't come out and make a whole kerfuffle so that we weren't going to have like there's this whole chaos and, and best friends thing against Hardy family. I mean, it's still probably coming. But Jesus Christ, at least we didn't get it tonight. Well, I will I just say, say this. Okay, Jenny. Yep. Uh, and Jimmy, this is really directed to you. I don't know what it is, but over the course of the last, like, I don't know, month to six weeks, like maybe halfway through the G1, she got old. Like, yeah. what the right. hell? What the hell happened? Like, all of a sudden, like, I know Japanese people when, like, when that switch hits, like, Muto went from the great Muda to old ass Kaiji Muto in about, <laughs> like, you know, two freaking months. It just happened. And out of nowhere, it's happening to Tomohiro Ishii. And I, and I don't understand what the hell, but like, all of a sudden, Ishii looks old. Well, first of all, he needs to invest in just for men for his goatee because yeah, you know, like, crazy. His goatee's turned white. It never used to be like that. And I was thinking that to myself as I was watching it. And I was thinking maybe it's the camera, the camera angles and the way AEW shoot their their show. No, because I because, thought it during the G1 too. Like just all of a sudden, boom, Ishii was old. No, you're right. He does look old. And he looks kind of frail in, in many yeah. ways too. Like, which is weird because he's a bull. He's a pit bull, literally. I'm sure he but, was awesome three weeks ago. I'm sure you guys are right. No, it's it's just it's it's really odd. It, no, it I, I just uh, any other New Japan watchers get at me. We'll we'll discuss how Tomohiro Ishii got old in like six weeks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, all right. So, all right. So the butcher uh, gets the better of Suzuki. Uh, uh, wakes him up in the corner a little bit. Um, Sushi then tags in Cassidy, who takes over because of course he does. There's a quail die by Cassidy onto a bunch of people standing around waiting to catch him, and Genshi wins with Mount Fuji. To hell with this nonsense, I don't care. Well, can't just quickly interject and say the gold the racist Olympics is on fire because we got Jeff with another gold medal previously in the previous part. And now, Chris, congratulations, mate. You got silver. <laughs> I just want to say. 
Uh, but anyway, I'm sorry. Listen, guys, I'm going to be completely honest with you here, right? In terms of like the Japanese wrestling and whether or not I like it, whether or not I'm excited for it. Listen, if we actually got Okada versus Omega or Okada versus Hangman or Tanahashi versus Danielson on AEW, I would be all for it. I'd, I'd, I'd be sitting here. I'd be telling you this was these were great matches. This is good stuff. Excited, I want to see this, but all we've seen so far is the only door that they're opening between AEW and 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 New Japan is one marked uh geriatrics only. It's the 55 up crowd from Japan who are coming over and they're having matches that they are I mean they're bad matches. I, I'm I'm sorry, like this was this stuff where they just stand in the ring and take three minutes to exchange two strikes each, it's bad. It looks stupid. Like, it, it, it just does not do anything for Western audiences. Like, and I'm telling you, like, there are really good workers in Japan. There are workers in Japan who are quick, do things fast, and who do things so that it looks like they're trying to get a win. Um, so far... We haven't seen that guy come over from Japan yet. It really disappointed. Chris, it's a slow build, bro. All right, we'll get there. You know the old saying, you save the best for last? Trust me, man. Other than Suzuki, who I thought was brought in really quick in many ways, believe me when I tell you, the big guns will come out eventually. It's just right now in New Japan, they really need their stars, man. And I mean badly. With the exception of Jay White, who for one goddamn reason or another still has not shown up on AEW TV, and that's one of the biggest ball drops that I've seen New Japan have in probably the last five years. Well, let me ask you this, Jago. Do you think there's some sort of heat between Jay White, possibly? And it probably isn't because they had a segment on Impact Wrestling, but with Kenny and the Bucks or something, with the EVPs even? I mean, I don't understand why the EVPs wouldn't be begging New Japan to bring in Jay White into the fold. It just doesn't make sense. Well, if you're going to bring Jay White into the fold and you're New Japan Pro Wrestling, unless Jay White is winning whatever that fold is. Right, right. Absolutely. You don't want to bring in Jay White. Right. Okay, I maybe, mean, like, like you don't want, because if you're going to bring in Jay White, it has to be a main event program. And unless Jay White is winning that program, it's not happening. If I'm New Japan Pro Wrestling, you have to protect Jay White at all costs. Okay, well, that way, if if it's like that, then sure, that makes total sense. But in saying that, is it helping him being an impact wrestling? Well, no, but I mean, unless you're going to put him in the ring with Kenny Omega, like that's about really Omega, Danielson. That's it. Maybe Moxley. Those are the only guys on the AEW roster I would let beat Jay White. Right. Yeah, no, totally right. Go it's ahead, Chris. Jay White, because he can be in top tier programs in Impact and get paid by Impact. So it and doesn't it hurt New Japan and it helps Jay White. That's the difference. It doesn't help New Japan to be an Impact. Because imp- I mean, oh, we're getting more viewers than Impact is right, right now. I mean, it helps <laughs> strong, but that's about it. Yeah. And even both shows, nobody's watching. And right. strong, it looked strong, no pun intended, card-wise, you know what I'm saying? Which is weird. No one gives a shit. No one gives a shit about Impact Wrestling. No one really gives a shit about strong. But it is what it is. Go ahead. Remember Chris. three weeks ago when I got dragged on Twitter? Well, 50% dragged? 
AEW has sucked all of the oxygen from the alternative wrestling fans to itself, which is not a criticism. That is a that's what happens when you're successful. Right. Not true. There just isn't that much of a hunger for that much wrestling. There's already too much wrestling, and you can even see it with Rampage and Dark and Dark Elevation. There's less people watching those shows, too. There's just too much wrestling on. It's enough. And if you are Absolutely. a diehard wrestling enough fan that you are watching Impact Wrestling, those are the fans that they want watching New Japan Strong. Sure. You're going to have a better chance to pull the viewership from Impact and those diehards than you're going to from the AEW fans right now. I agree. I would love to have Jay White on my TV every Wednesday night, but from the New Japan perspective, as far as attracting viewers to Strong, I understand why they're going with Impact Wrestling. Sure. Right on. Okay. Well, Tony Schiavone's backstage with uh, Andrade, FTR, and uh, somebody, uh, <laughs> he says that he is, and I quote, a better wrestler than you. Um, his accent is really strong. He needs to either work on it or just let somebody else talk for him. They set up an eight-man <laughs> clusterfuck for next week. Um, not a lot to write home about here other than just a lot of questionable booking. Uh, once again, FTR is aligned with Andrade. This time they say that they'll they'll even do that match and waive their fee. Like they're like, I don't understand what's going on here. Are these guys the acolytes? Are they the APA? You know, they, yes. they need beer money, so they beat people up for the beer money. I don't I like if, if they're gonna do it, fine. Then explain it for fuck's sakes. It's just a bunch am- of nonsense and it's starting to really fucking piss me off. But I am curious how MJF feels about FTR waiving their fee because anytime we have seen anybody get paid, it's been Andrade's camp giving the money to MJF, not directly to FTR. So there, there is a little bit of seed laying going on, but this story is going really, really slow and Andrade should never have a microphone in his face. <laughs> right. Absolutely. Never I agree with that. The I only plus to this segment was that FTR acknowledged that the legal man was not pinned, which I think some of you all mentioned on your shows, and that is a big deal, and I'm glad that they didn't forget it, and that that is being continued because that gives a justification for the feud and in, in its own tenuous way, this match. I tweeted today, and I'm not going to repeat my point, so anybody who wants to see it, Icarus at IcarusFellMD, about Malachi Black and how if everyone's extraordinary, nobody's extraordinary. Well, I just want to say, Andrade, I felt he, the only good promo that he ever did in AEW so far was the one where he called Cody his bitch. I actually didn't mind that, right? I thought that was pretty well said, pretty good for a guy that can't speak a lick, a lick of English very well, you know what I'm saying? But this is a clusterfuck of a feud, man. I don't, I don't even know what the hell is going on. I don't get it. When me and Jago were talking about talking about you know fantasy booking this sort of feud on the blow off, which you can listen to right here at amarkmedia.com, I felt, man, surely they'll go that route. It just seems so well put the way Jago was putting things and everything like that. It seems so well put, but unfortunately, they disappointed us, and it doesn't look like we're going anywhere near there, Jago. Yeah, well, you know, I'll do one better. They, they were doing fine until two weeks ago. The thing with Black and Andrade was kind of cool. It was working. I was sort of interested in it. 
And now it's not. And we know what the reason is. It's because they have too many people on their roster and everyone has to be on TV to get paid because it's per appearance. And so everyone needs to be in these enormous groups or a manager or a valet. And everyone needs to bring in their friend, Apprehendez, Jose, Tully, Vicky Guerrero. So you, you, you never have less than 900 moving parts. Um, actually, they, they, they've scaled it back quite a bit, actually. It's, it's much, but still you have things like this. And that's why you have to have the entire dark order out there. I get it was a celebration. So that made sense in this context. But every week, and listen, I was happily the, amazed at all of HFO didn't run out. I guess maybe they're off. But that's why. So that's why they come up with these makeshift things. The the Cody, I mean the Malachi Black uh Andrade pairing, I was I was interested in that. I'm interested in them solo too, but that was okay. That was sort of cool. This you're right. This is a cluster that like now my interest level has gone down, not up. Remember when you guys first sort of brought up the idea of uh Andrade and Malachi Black being together. And I said, yeah, that would be interesting. But what they're going to do is they're going to pair them up and have absolutely no fucking reason for them being paired. They're going to give you absolutely fuck all in terms of storyline. They're just going to put these two guys together. Remember when I said that? Pretty sure I was right. Okay. You know what the we'll problem forward here is? With, here, here's the fucking problem. Um, Cody fucking Rhodes. That's the problem. <laughs> Because Malachi and Cody are stuck in this fucking chase your goddamn tail hell. Like, can we just move the fuck on? I mean, if you want anything WWE, it's Malachi Black versus Cody goddamn Rhodes because the son of a bitch, they've been fighting for two goddamn months straight. Can we move the fuck along here? Yeah, and give us that betrayal we've been promised. Where, where is where is Cicero to the Brutus? Where is the... Uh, the uh... Octavian to Mark Andrews. Does anybody care? Because whoever turns on Cody just became the biggest baby face in the whole fucking company. Except it'll be Brock Anderson. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Please. Well, Cody did actually. He'll get the biggest fucking pop he's ever gotten in his goddamn life. Yeah, well, Cody's the biggest face in wrestling by going off of Twitter. So, hey. That's all. Well, you just took the words out of my mouth. I was just about to say that. And that's exactly. Sure, 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 I did. Yeah, because you know what Cody really needs? To be disconnected from the audience. Oh, wait. (laughs) Right there. Go for it, Chris. All right, moving on here. We've got a a great wrestling match next as Nyla Rose and Hikaru Shida have a wrestling match. Um, The only thing more annoying than Vicky Guerrero yelling at ringside is watching Nyla Rose wrestle. Um. And honestly, Hikaru Shida has gotten to the point where she, her overacting is distracting. Um, every strike is reacted to as if it's the worst thing that's ever happened. Every slam makes her sit up with her face contorted in, in insane ways, and she looks like a cartoon character. This match at one point gets so slow that the crowd actually chants, shut up, Vicky, while she's not mm-hmm. speaking. Um I'm going to run through the match here and then we'll talk about it quickly, guys. Uh, Sheeta hits Vicky with a kendo stick after almost no heat for almost no reason. So that's a great little spot attacking the manager that was just completely fucking wasted. Serena Deeb gets involved and it actually doesn't uh, lead to the pin or win for anyone. So why did she bother doing that? Why was she even there? Um, Sheeta counters with a triangle, but eventually 
gets hit with power bomb. Rose wins with a stretch muffler. Um, again, I'm going to say uh, the booking is all over the place. Um, and it is very someone who has not booked before booking this show. When you have moments like um, the manager getting attacked after not building to it and the heel in Serena Deeb attacking the face, but that not leading to the finish. What How did it not lead is to the, the finish in that? Jimmy, go first. All right. Well, first of all, I want to say, did anyone catch the spot with Nyla Rose jumping off the top rope and falling straight on Shim's ass? That was a nice little botch, man. Actually, <laughs> he, she, he hurt himself pretty bad. And for, and to answer your question, Chris, right? First of all, you you say about the overacting with Hikari Shida. Well, if she's getting hit by a, sorry, I hate to say it, but by a bloke. I mean, uh, you know what I mean. I'm pretty sure they're pretty hard hits. You know what I'm saying? I'm sorry, that guys. counts for the racist Olympics. Well, give me gold. It's all good. I don't care because. <laughs> It is what it is. I saw an interview with Nyla Rose, right? I'm not. Hey, this is coming out of her, him, his mouth, whatever the case. I'm, I'm just saying it counts. That's all. I'm just saying this is out of its mouth, right? Nyla Rose did say he, he, she swings both ways. So he's still Good interested in women. <laughs> no, really, he's still interested in women, and he's interested in men alike. So this really is becoming pillow talk. <laughs> yeah. Well, hey, I'm just saying. I heard the interview. But I thought the match wasn't that bad, to be honest with you. All right. I and Jargo, the well. reason why this didn't lead to the finish is because Serena Deeb interfered, and then five minutes later, the stretch muffler was applied. That's not the same thing. Like, the, no, the heel true. getting involved, if you're going to have the heel get involved, it should lead to the finish. Otherwise, it's still a clean finish after the interference. I'm I'm fine with calling it a clean finish, but it absolutely led to the finish. Serena Deeb gets in, takes out Sheeta's knee. Sheeta kicks out after Nyla Rose tries, so she gets a hope spot in afterwards. So the crowd pops for that, and then you take it away again when she taps her out because the knee is already injured. Like I I was totally fine with the booking on this. I thought this is one of the better AEW women's matches that I've seen, which granted is a very very low bar, but and, and the the there's already heat between Sheeta and Nyla Rose going back over the course of the last couple of years so i mean i i thought it was fine i didn't make much of really anything about it except the feud with serena deeb is going to continue for as far as Sheeta is concerned and nyla rose moves on inside of the tournament eventually to lose to who knows but you know jade cardgill is going to win the freaking tournament so who really cares Somehow I think that you're all right in this, except for Jimmy, of course. Um, <laughs> I actually don't think, I think that the, the, the athletic component of the match was pretty good. Um, I understand what Jagger is saying, but I also understand what Chris is saying. I mean, this is the second time Serena Deeb has involved herself. The first time, and this is after the knee got badly injured. The first time she just still won. This time she lost, but there's in law, there's, a, there's the concept of proximate cause and but for causation. And I think what Chris is saying is that Deeb's interference, at least one, should have been the proximate cause instead of just a one of many but for causations like Vicky's interference, which was but for causation. So I, I, I think there was overbooking. I think that if this match was scaled back four minutes, four and a half minutes, I, I don't think there'd be any complaint. I want to say one thing when we're talking about heels. 
the biggest face on this show was Vicky Guerrero's heel, which broke and she fell down. Because I'm not sure that was on purpose. And that was fantastic. That was the most entertaining spot of this match. But actually, I, I thought the match performance-wise was okay. And I'm glad that Sheeta didn't win because she shouldn't with that injury and all of the stuff that she came to overcome. And I, I don't really know why they're trying to invest in Sheeta as this underdog baby face kind of story because maybe they're just trying to overcome the the saying that nobody gives a Sheeta about Sheeta. Um, but, you know, uh, again, I think that you're all right and move on. I, I, I'm i not sure. I mean, Jade should win this tournament, but I'm not sure that they want to have a heel world champion and a heel TBS champion. So I wouldn't be surprised if Ruby Soho doesn't somehow pull it up Pull it out. The the only thing arguing against that is it's yet another former WWE person. But at the same time, it's another former WWE person who got no respect in WWE and now gets treated properly at AEW. So either narrative works. Well, I hope we do not get a finals between Soho and Cargill because that match will be a train wreck. Because I don't think Soho can carry matches just yet. Well, they're in the same bracket, so it can't be. They can't be the finals. It'd be the oh, okay. All right. Okay. Sorry. Well. You can get Chris Statlander and Nyla Rose in your finals if you want to talk about a car wreck. Well, either way, yeah, see, like, we're going to get some car wrecks, put it that way. But uh, I did, like I was saying before, I did think this match was actually quite good. And what Jago said summed it up. I mean, it made sense, but I can understand what Chris was saying also. So, yeah, it, it is what it is. All right. Well, I have no idea what you guys watched, but uh, we'll move on here. Uh, Malachi Black is in the back, and he... Uh, he tells us about oxygen. I, I have nothing else to say about this. Malachi and nightmares. He, he, what are you talking about? nightmares. <laughs> right. Great. Uh, moving on here. MJF makes his entrance with Spears <laughs> and Wardlow. Uh, he gets on the stick. He says he's the most complete uh, wrestler on the planet. He is the past, present, and future of pro wrestling. He says he deserves the world title. Nobody in the locker room is on his level and cult of personality hits out comes punk who still gets a great reaction um i'll go ahead and tell you he got at least 50 percent in the match against uh, kingston i know i've seen some people question that trust me he got 50 percent of the cheers in that match against kingston um at least 50 maybe a little more uh the let's go eddie chance got slightly drowned out by the cm punk chance um <clears throat> he comes down uh MJF looks uh, quizzical uh, for a moment, goes to shake Punk's hand. Punk laughs at him and walks off. I loved this. Um, Jimmy, what did you think? Well, first of all, when Punk came to the ring and didn't say a word, he was looking in the mirror. That's what, what he saw. Then These two guys are practically the same people. Both are dickheads. Both are arrogant. Both think they're the best in the world. I mean, they're the exact same person, really, when you think about it. They're both dicks to fans. You know what I mean? I mean, this is, they're looking at each other. It's the past against the future. I'm actually, I actually can't wait. And like Jago said off the air, this is probably his best promo. I, I think this is my second favorite CM Punk promo of all time. Because uh, he, he, he didn't have to say a word. It was all body language, right? Like, this is like true master of your craft kind of shit. He just straight went out and big leagued MJF. That's all this was. 
and laughed at him. And you know, like the MJF character, he's still sitting there looking at his hand. Like, why wouldn't he shake my hand? Like MJF is going to obsess over this. He's going to become compulsive over this. I love everything about this. I, I, I think this might be my second favorite CM Punk promo of all freaking time. Can it I was say, brilliant. How do you swerve the fans that are looking forward to a battle on the microphones? You don't say a goddamn word. And the immortal words of Bin Hamid, the Ayatollah, never miss a good tell. opportunity to shut the fuck up. And CM Punk <laughs> did not miss that opportunity last night. It was perfect. Well, can't just say, yeah, like, like Jago said, this, this is Perfect, man. I mean, this is well put, well done. And like Jugger was saying, the character is going to be doing his head in, like we say down here, absolutely thinking the whole time, why did he do that? Why? His ego is just going to... Man, I'm looking forward to... I don't know if anything's going to happen on Rampage, but I'm looking forward to to next week. That's for sure, man. There was some, there was a point I was meant to say that totally just went out my head right now, but doesn't matter. So, Chris... Move on, man. No shit, it just went right out of my head. Oh, sorry, Jeff, go for it. Sheesh. Sorry, Disrespect. Um, <laughs> Jargo said, master of your craft. I mean, th- it takes a lot of confidence to go out and say nothing and say so much. I agree that this was, this was a master class in minimalism being the silence was palpable. It was physical. There was a presence to it. But if there's a nit to pick, Pick that nit, I shall. And Punk did the same move that he hated from a week ago with Eddie Kingston doing to him. And that's the only thing. I, I don't I don't think baby face punk, which I mean, obviously, I think they've decided they're gonna keep him face. I know that 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 Jargo right now is thinking, no, you're wrong, you're wrong about Brian also. They're both straddling, they're gonna be whoever they oppose, they're just gonna do equal and opposite reactions. But I think in wrestling, you have faces and your heels. I, that's the only thing is that the thing that he saw such disrespect to him, I, I I didn't really buy into doing it. Now, I know the counter to that is, well, sure, he did it on purpose because that was disrespect to him. And he's disrespecting MJF. But I don't think he's disrespect. I, you know, I guess it's a head game. So I can explain it either way. I guess I just did. So I don't need to argue with myself anymore. But that's the little nit I would pick is that. He did the same move that was an insult to him, and and if he's the superior one, he you know he could have just shaken his hand, said, and walked out. I, I guess the counter argument to that would be MJF welcomed it when MJF referenced if there's anybody backstage, and Punk answered the call, whereas Eddie Kingston just walked in on Punk's promo. Yep. Uh... Yeah. Um, okay, we're gonna move on from this. Um, Tony's backstage with Darby Allen. Um, Allen says that MJF didn't break him mentally. He wants the biggest and baddest in the company, and um Billy Gunn accepts that as a challenge. Um Jeff, how excited are you to watch uh, Billy Gunn and, and and MJF or not MJF, Darby Allen? Well, when you said he was the biggest and the baddest, I was really hoping that then Mark Henry would come and say, I'm bigger and badder. And then the big show would tap on his shoulder and go, I'm bigger and badder. Uh, you know, but uh, no, it wasn't to be. How excited am I? Uh, uh, less excited than I was to see Tomohiro Ishii. 
<laughs> and that's, that's stiff. I mean, I don't know how you put Billy Gunn in a program with Darby Allen. That that's really insulting, Darby. I mean, at least try to do it with the with his kids, like something where they do a beatdown and and Darby at least has to fight the young kids or some something. I I don't I I just don't understand this at all. They have a roster of a hundred thousand people. There, there's at least thirty different ones they could have put against Darby Allen. I can't just quickly interject and say, did he not look like a turtle, Darby Allen, in this segment? I was thinking, no shit. The whole time I was watching that segment at first, I was thinking, why the fuck does he look like a turtle coming out of his shell, right? But but funny enough, didn't one of the, the gun brother, uh, brothers call him a turtle? He said, I like turtles. Yeah, well, there you go. And I popped to that because that's exactly what was going through my mind. Well, you know, he's the kid from the meme who said, I like turtles when he was a little kid. That's what... Wait, is that, is that true? I don't know. Really? Here, here's the problem, guys, right? And the the issue that you are having with this Billy Gunn, Darby Allen thing is the fact that WWE slash WWF has completely ruined professional wrestling for you and you have to be reconditioned, right? The, if you all you do is top guys versus top guys, you end up with Seth Rollins and Kevin Owens on TV together every week for, you know, eight freaking weeks. I've been saying for, for months now, AEW needs to sign more guys like Tyler Breeze because you need guys for your main event talent to beat. So you're not just trading wins and losses back and forth all the freaking time. This is just here for Darby to get a win. Darby needs a win over somebody with a little bit of credibility. Billy Gunn, you're up. Go out there and uh, do the job, buddy. I mean, get get Darby over. That is Billy Gunn's job. It's just going to be a one-off program for Darby to get a win, just like Eddie Kingston and the acclaimed. It's the same thing. You just got to recondition your mind and get out of the WWE. We can only have top guys versus top guys. Like the the top guys got to get wins so that they still feel credible, especially after taking a loss. I I, I don't this. I, I agree with you. I'm just saying it shouldn't be Billy Gunn. I'm just saying that they have 40 other people who fit that bill who aren't 58 years old. That's all. Hey, he's jacked for a 58 year old, and though. and who also <laughs> aren't six foot four and 275 pounds against Darby Allen, which well, that's just the thing. He wants the biggest and the baddest, right? Like. Billy Gunn's, as far as the active roster goes, I mean, Billy Gunn, Luchasaurus are probably the two biggest guys on the <laughs> roster. That's true. It's actually true. Yeah, I don't know. I, I Look, me personally, I think that Billy Gunn doesn't really have a place on, on AEW, and if he does, it's backstage. Um, I just or, don't think that he has enough. Or in the ring losing the guys like Darby Allen. I don't think he has cachet though. I, I don't think that him losing to somebody means anything. I, I, I don't I don't think you're gonna build anything behind Darby Allen off of the back of the legendary Billy Gunn. I the only thing that you need to build is Darby's win loss record and get him back on the winning path. That's all that this match is for. Yeah. All right. Well, uh next up here we've got a we've got a tag match as Rush and Martin take on the acclaimed. Uh the line of the night here. Um, we leave in y'all hurting. It's funny. We in Virginia and both of y'all are virgins. Uh, yeah. Jimmy T. I, I, I love Max Caster. He's amazing. Can, can we just give Max Caster some love before we move on? Man. Well, I would, Chris, except I think that you're an amateur. I like you better when you were a manager. <laughs> that was good too. That was good. That was very good, man. Max Caster 
is a talent. I don't care what anybody says. I've said this week in, week out. The guy, he's not a kid because he's in his 30s, believe it or not. So I don't know why they call him a kid. But, uh, man, he looks – I think, look, he's a big dude, man. He's tall. He's pretty jacked. Not jacked enough, but jacked all right. But in saying that, man, he's he's got – man, does this guy not have charisma? His raps are actually funny. TMZ has actually employed him to do his raps every Fridays on TMZ. The guy's got talent, man. I think he's great. I want to see a singles run by him. Why, Jaga? Why are you shaking your head? I think he's the shits. I mean, like straight up, I think he's the shits. I don't think I don't see anything good about the acclaimed. I don't see anything good about the act. I don't need a poor man's John Cena on AEW television. Oh, he's like, better than Cena. It's shit, Jimmy. I mean, like our <laughs> truth is a better freaking rapper than Max Caster. Oh. Like, I think oh, it's the man. shit. I I, I, sh- I see absolutely zero value in it. I have to strongly disagree, man. I'm sorry, that's man. that's okay. I don't know. But right, I think, right. I think he's the shit. That's I think both enough. of the acclaimed are the shit. <laughs> well, Bowens is the shit, in my opinion. He kind of reminds me of a jacked up version of GGP, though, <laughs> in a funny way. I mean, does he look like a younger version of GGP? I hate to say it. Sorry, G- sorry Papa Don, if you're listening. It's but it's true. Platinum, platinum medal for you. <laughs> hey, well, look, Jeff, I'm sure you can see what Chris and I are seeing, surely. I like the acclaimed. I mean, but I if you don't like WWE and their whole style, I can see why you don't like the acclaimed because the acclaimed are probably the most WWE quasi-homegrown act that the AEW has. So I, I get it. If you don't like that style, I mean, listen, it's the same beat every single time. If you're like into really a music aficionado and you're looking at it that way, you're not going to like it or appreciate it. I don't care about music. I just think it's funny and I can understand the words. It does. I, I know the cadence now. I know what it's going to sound. He, he tailors it every week. He makes me laugh every week. I, I, I like their act. I think they have charisma, but it's okay that he does and it's okay that someone else does. I mean, you know, I, I think that they're whatever in tag team is, they're going to be a, you know, a low to mid card where maybe every now and then they'll get in the title picture. Maybe at some point they'll get a, a short title run, but I, I like them. I, I enjoy their work, but you know, they're, they're not, Leo Rush and Dante Martin, they're not like uh, pinball wrestling. They're not going right, to do that. Right. They're they are more of your WWE impact style of wrestling, and, that, and, that, and that's okay. The part that was – this was a well-orchestrated match. The, but, yep. you know, Leo Rush is too small for me. But, I mean, Team Taz, who cares? Why would anyone want – I mean, to, to point out that it's Hobbs' one-year anniversary with Team Taz and what he's accomplished, he's accomplished zero. What the – what? What the hell? He was a, he was a star on the rise. Now he's he can't even afford a shirt anymore. He's he's in like a little he's like in little rascals overalls or something. What the hell? And that's a good point, Jeff. Because really, ever since the Punk matchup, right, that he had with Punk, I felt like he was on the way up. Like I really felt like Punk elevated him in that match, and then we had nothing after that. So you're you're totally right about that. But Jago, I just want to say, if you're not convinced by Max Caster, right? I want to send you some videos. You've got to see what he does off AEW, which might amuse you, dude. His clips are actually pretty good, too. I'm serious. You know what, Jimmy? You know what? I don't need this shit, dude. You know what? <laughs> I, 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 I don't need this shit. I told you. 
I had to be out of here by six o'clock, and you want to sit here and waste my time with fucking Max Caster bullshit? Yo, Instead listen. Of the fucking main event? You know what? I don't need. I'm out. Perfect. Wow, that, that was talking about making an exit. Wow, that was perfect. I'll get you, Juggles. out. <laughs> Sorry, I I didn't know we were I didn't know we were we were we were on a time frame there, but uh, no, yeah, no, nobody told me. <laughs> <laughs> All right, yeah, well, he uh, had an hour and thirty minutes, so he technically okay. left a bit earlier. So, uh, but I'll get him. I'll get him back tomorrow. Well, he just said, "Finish it up, guys. Good show." So, hey, that's it. Yeah. Yeah, uh, but to 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 touch on what Je- what uh, what Jeff was just saying, this was actually a really good match. This was a solid wrestling match where the heel team um, was doing a good job of cutting off the ring using big heavy move sets, you know, forearms, suplexes, um, chops, things that you know slow down the other guys. And the faces, the undersized face team, was doing a really good job of. Um, you know, doing the the quick flashy moves. Um, Rush gets a Leo chant at one point, and I I don't care what I, I don't care what anyone else thinks about this. Leo Rush, um, as long as he's going to be wrestling, he cannot be an he cannot be a heel. His move set is simply too exciting. It is too flashy, too too flippy. There's too much stuff going on for people to he's actually. Yeah, it's unorthodox, it's different, it's fun. The only time you can boo this guy is when he's talking. If he's going to be an active wrestler, he's going to be a face. And AEW needs to um, lean into that, frankly. I agree. I, I totally agree. I mean, Leo Rush, as much as I really don't like him, I'll take I'll take it back because in AEW so far, he has. He's been exciting, he, and the crowd has been into it, man. Too. I mean, his moves are just wicked. Like, sure, it's like a spot fest, but it's very flowing. You know what I mean? It doesn't come across mm. like spot, 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 spot. It just flows well with his matches, which is an exception because if you can wrestle like that, then you can hide all the fucking spot fest that you can see clearly with the Bucks because they slow shit down a lot of the times. If that makes any sense. Whereas Rush. He's rushing all over the place like a moth. Well, and also though, Rush and Martin, I, I believe, I, I believe this. Yeah. They 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 do the flashy moves, and then they rest for a second. They they, right. they get kicked in the face and they fall down and they stay down. They, they they have figured both of these guys I think work significantly better than the Bucks because they both sell. I mean, that's what you want out of the undersized team. You want them to sell and then come up with the flashy move set. Um, as far as Team Taz, just get that off of my screen. I'm so tired of that. Like, either do something with it or just completely get rid of it and start over. Start from scratch. Do something else with these guys because, I mean, Team Taz, that has to be one of the most inept groups in professional wrestling. Taz has not gotten them anything. He's not helped them with anything. He hasn't taken them from one step to another step at all. They've literally gone from the exact same spot to the exact same spot or lower in the last year. Um, 
I will say about Dante Martin, I believe he's a blue chip prospect, and I think that he has more potential than Jungle Boy. So this whole four pillars thing, um, I don't see it with Jungle Boy. I do see the other three uh, guys that they've talked about with uh, Sammy, with Darby, with MJF. Um, but I personally think that Martin is has a way bigger future than Jungle Boy. Yeah, no, I agree. 100%. Actually, I didn't like Dante Martin at first, right? But you know what? I'm starting to like this pairing. It works for whatever reason. They, they've got great chemistry together, him and Leo Rush. And maybe he doesn't need his brother after all. Jeff? I'm never going to be interested in Leo Rush. So, But I, I understand and appreciate what, what Chris said. And I understand what I understand that that this is not for me that it's, it's for a different kind of wrestling fan. And I, and wrestling's a variety show. I always say that if you like to love 65% of it, and if you only hate 20% or less, that's, that's an A plus for you as a wrestling fan. And then whatever the other percentage is, is just okay. That, that that's as good as it gets. And, and AEW generally does deliver that once I sort of adjusted myself into this smaller world, which I did, which I did with Ring of Honor and did with Lucha Underground. So I'm not, you know, it just takes me a while to uh, adapt. Because at a certain point, you have to say, I'm either done with wrestling or I'm going to adapt and try to enjoy what I enjoy. Um, mm-hmm. The only thing I want to say about this is hashtag Fire Taz. I've been saying it for a year and a half, and it's not trending, and enough people aren't picking up on it. Taz is aware. He, he sent me a, like a little nasty DJ Khaled gif of like <laughs> doing like this to me, but hashtag fire test. Not on commentary. He's fine on commentary, but as a man, he's great on commentary. Oh, yeah. He's terrible. And his son, Hook, I mean, his best work is playing Gage Goldberg. Let's just face it. Oof. Ooh, <laughs> Jeff, Jeff, Jeff. Huh. Is that racist too? <laughs> Ding. There we go. Silver medal for you. Not quite gold, but silver. I'm not even close. I'm not. I'm. I'm. I'm many horse lengths behind you. I don't mean. I don't don't know, man. I mean, I kind of feel like me coming up with a different uh, Japanese-sounding name for every single time I mentioned Ishii earlier. I think that I probably get the gold for the for the racist Olympics tonight. But it's only one race. You have to. You have to hit more races. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Ooh, like um, if you like if you came with like a Chinese name and a Korean name and like a Thai name, you know then okay. then then you could have gotten okay. one. All right, I'll do that in the future. I'll I'll try to do that in the future. It's just that you guys were doing like the whole like Jewish thing and being German, I didn't feel comfortable with those kinds of things. You know, like like. I know where the line is for me, you know, like I can do the little like Japanese jokes or whatever, but like, you know, with a name like with a name that basically translates to (laughs) Omsis, um, I'm not. uh, Yeah, I'm I'm not going there with the Jewish jokes. This is not a race you should try to win. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's right. But if you want to win it, go ahead, Chris, please. (laughs) Take some heat off off us. (laughs) <laughs> All right. Well, listen. Yeah, just just to sort of wrap it up with this match, um, they win with a cool combo move, including a frog splash from Rush. I agree with what Jeff is saying. Um, I like Leo Rush. I don't mind cheering for him, but to me, he is low mid card, and that is as high as you can take him as a professional That's wrestler. It. He is simply too small, and even in AEW, he is simply too small. 
Uh, Dante Martin is about six feet tall and he looks like he's the big show next to this, next to this guy. <laughs> it, it's not appropriate. You can't really sell this guy as a major main eventer, Although, um, I but I do think Martin me. has serious uh, future. Go ahead, Jim. Well, before we move on, I do have a feeling that Martin, for whatever reason, is going to join team Taz possibly. Right. And go against Leo Rush and then them two have a little feud only because it's too obvious that he won't. Do you know what I mean? Otherwise, what's the point of bringing Team Taz in, really? I don't think so. I think if anything happens, it will be Leo Rush who betrays oh, yeah. Martin and joins Team Taz, and that'll be right around the same time Darius is ready to come back. <laughs> well, what? yeah. Well, yeah. Even better. Like, one of, of them is turning, for sure. Like Something like that will definitely happen. Otherwise, there's no point of Team Taz even interjecting. In this well, there's still no point in Team Taz. There's already no that's You do the, the, the sidekick guys or whatever they call themselves, the one with J.D. Drake and that group, that yeah. group the wingmen. You could put an HFO, whatever. It doesn't matter 2. what. 1.75. That's right. True, true. No, you, you are both right. The uncontested time. <laughs> <laughs> all right speaking of uncontested time the jerk classic express are backstage um they uh they accept for the challenge for friday uh christian says that the win at the pay-per-view was 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 one of the best moments in his career and <laughs> bullshit i <laughs> i can only believe so much at a certain point i just gotta go no, no, no. <laughs> I agree, man. All right. Uh, Velvet and Jade have a little video package talking about their rivalry. <clears throat> Piss break. Um, main event time as Jay, <laughs> Jay Lethal makes his uh, AEW debut to take on Sammy Guevara for the TNT Championship. Um. Before we get into the match, Jeff, what do you think about having a guy like Jay Lethal uh, debut in this manner? Did you think that this was the right way to go? I think that they did it sort of backwards um, because they didn't have a TNT title open championship challenge yet. That was something that Cody did in the past. If that was the case, if that was known that it was going to happen, and then he stepped through, that would have been that would have been cool and fine. It's a little bit weird for a company like AEW, out of all the Ring of Honor people to hire to hire Jay Lethal, the one who has the the taint of of multiple allegations against him. I mean, it seems like mostly being a creeper. You know, maybe not knowing the, the, the workplace boundary when someone says no. Um, I don't know. I mean, you know, I, I don't really want to get too much into that. But they had AW is conscious or, or allegedly is conscious of stuff like that. And they had plenty of choices, like 30 other choices. Um, that's it. He's a professional wrestler. He's He can be heel or face. This match was great. These guys look like they have worked together 40 times before, and I'm not sure that they've ever wrestled a match together, but it was seamless and natural. They could do the chain wrestling. They could do the mat wrestling. They did high flying. This this was as crisp and pure a wrestling match as I can remember seeing that wasn't, you know, my favorite kind of like Haas kind of match. So I thought this was great. Um, I really especially appreciated how they 
did the code of honor at the end. If you're not a ring of yeah. honor fan, right. you know, that's a big deal in ring of honor. So it should be a big deal to do Jay lethal, who was one of the founding members of the foundation, which their whole gimmick was to bring back honor and sportsmanship to and integrity to ring of honor. That story never really quite played out and never really quite got traction. Nevertheless, it was important. Then they kept showing Tony Nese again. So is Ugh. Tony Nese going to be the next challenger? I mean, I, I mean, if it's an open challenge, okay. But like, why aren't they making a big deal about Tony Nese? But why am I talking about it so much? Um, I thought the match was great. Uh, and like I said, I, I thought the the chrono, chrono, chronology of the introduction of Jay Lethal was weird. If that was going to be the pretense, he's going to kick over the forbidden door and and answer this open challenge when there was not yet an open challenge available. Sammy Guevara never had a chance to do one because he was sidetracked into sidetracked into this faction war with America's top team. Um, but. I think I, I think I answered your question and my match analysis, so I will remain silent till the end. Well, f- first of all, I just want to say, doesn't wins and losses matter in AEW, boys? Uh, well, not no. for an open challenge. Well, exactly. That's my point. I mean, if wins and losses matter like TK claims it does, then why did Jay Lethal become the number one contender for the TNT Championship? In saying that, is this becoming the Cruiserweight Championship in AEW? Because it's kind of starting to feel that way with Tony Nese in the frigging crowd. You got, you know, Sammy Guevara being the champ. You got Jay Lethal, who can, he's obviously the size of a cruiserweight. I mean, could it become quite, quite frankly, the cruiserweight championship? Could? Sure. Is it? I mean, two of the champions are Brody and Miro, two of the biggest guys they ever had in the company. That was then. This is now. I I get it, but you're, you're, well, I said I could remain silent. I immediately lied. (laughs) <laughs> well <clears throat> in saying that well chris yeah do you what do you think anyway before i continue um yeah they run the risk of making it look that way um it, it all depends on what they do with it moving forward as i said before you know that where this slots in terms of the people's minds of how important the tnt championship is depends on how they book um whether or not it looks like a cruiserweight championship moving forward depends entirely how they book if they go from this match to Sammy and Nice, and then Nice holds it and defends against Darby, and then Darby holds it and defends against you know the Young Bucks, then yeah, it starts to run the risk of looking like a cruiserweight championship in spite of its past. Um, but to be honest with you, I'm not as I'm not as worried about the smaller stature guys. Um, you know, Sammy's still like what five ten, five eleven. Like he's not short. Um, he's, he's, he's at least skinny. five eleven. I've been next to him. He's he's taller than me, okay. and not by a lot, but not by a little either. He's right. He's just skinny. Height. He yeah. he needs to fill out a little bit, but he's a young man. He he still he, has lots of time to he fill is. out. He looks like he's put on about five or seven pounds yeah, of muscle. Definitely, he has. Right, absolutely. He he really definitely, is. no, he has. There's no question since his debut, he's put on some muscle. But I'm just saying, like, yeah, he needs to put on a little more. Um, Jay Lethal looks like a grown man. Um, you know, in spite of, um, he, he may be a little shorter, but he looks like a grown man. I think that Tony Nice looks like a grown man, um, you know, 205 maybe, but I, I mean, if that guy gained 15 pounds of pure fat, you still would never see it on him because he's got 18 pectoral muscles. Um, I, I don't mind as long as they're not really, really little guys. Um, and 
in terms of this match, uh, these guys had a great match. Both of these guys felt like they were desperate to win this match, which as a guy who wants to see something look like actual competition, this is what I want, guys. This is exactly what I'm looking for out of an in-ring segment. Um, these guys really looked like they were just going to kill themselves to get this win. Um, it was great. If you didn't have a chance to watch it, go back and watch. I have two nitpicks. First of all, Jeff mentioned it already. Why did they keep panning back to Tony Nice as if he's the main boss in the video game that you have to face after uh, <laughs> yeah, you go right. through your secondary uh you know, challenge Jay lethal is the pinnacle of those two. Like I don't he's Tony niece is a talented sure. guy. I think he's got a, I think he, he has a, he has potential to have a future. Um, he will never be as good a professional wrestler as Jay lethal is. I'm sorry. I'm calling it now. Um, and my, and my second nitpick is just that, um, I'm pretty sure I have an ex-girlfriend who wore exactly the kind of stuff that uh, Sammy Guevara was wearing tonight with the leopard print and hooker boots. So <laughs> I don't, I don't know. Yeah, he, him and Jungle Boy need to work on their their ring attire. Yeah, facts, facts. But after, well, in saying that, the match was awesome, dude. Uh, it was a yeah. great, great, great match. Like Jeff said, I'm not sure if these two have faced each other before in the past. I think they might have one time before. Great right? chemistry. But don't quote me on that, but they have great chemistry. I can see these two even keep going like in a little feud with Nice interjecting. But Nice, let's be honest, guys. Let's be real. I've never really rated Nice. Sure, he can work. So can a million other guys that look like him, all right? Sure, he's got abs, but he's got no charisma. He's got no real personality. His abs has more charisma than actually he does, right? I mean, come on, man. I, I don't care about Tony Nese. I don't want to see Tony Nese. Just fuck Tony Nese. And why is he the big boss, like both of you have said? Who is he? Is he the champ or is it Guevara? <laughs> to be fair, I don't think he was given much opportunity to show whether or not he does or doesn't have a personality when he was on 205 Live. I don't think that he was given the stick very often. And when he was, I mean, you're given the stick and you're given an exact script of what you're meant to say. That's hard right. to get across. I have seen him on the independence though, too, pre WWE, and he's the same thing. There's not much different. It's just exactly the same Tony Nice that you get on the Indies. What you got in WWE, and I assume what we're going to get in AEW. I just don't rate him, man. Yeah, he's a great wrestler, but so is a million others. I just, I don't know, man. I just, I don't feel the same way about him. All right. I, well, nothing to say about Tony Nice. Nothing more. There you go. All right. Well, uh, that was it for the show. Um, that's gonna that's gonna wrap it up for us. Um, you know, Jargo got real angry. Oh, yeah. took, go ahead. Hold on. A I, I want to do. I want to do my little business segment. Uh, this yes. is part of the PWC at Mark. This is something that I stumb. I just thought about the other night, and we did it on the conflict. So look out. Look for the uh, PWC conflict show. And what I did because everybody's talking about the demos and the ads and all that, and talking like they know what they're talking about. And so I decided, you know what? I'm going to start keeping track of the ads during wrestling shows. <laughs> so. I started Tuesday night with NXT and I went through all the ads and then I went backwards and I took out like things that were from the Comcast Universal, NBC, Peacock Universe, just and I and I did the same thing tonight with TNT and, and WB. And I read them all 
And I asked, you know, I asked Jimmy a couple of leading questions. What's the big deal about the demos? Well, the big deal about the demos is because that means these are certain targeted audience ages that have disposable income that the advertisers are going to pay more for to get those spots to appeal to those advertisers. So when you listen to the conflict, you're going to hear who the advertisers were in the advertisements, and you're going to see that there's no way they were targeted to anybody. They were just random. And I can say this till I'm blue in the face, but with basic cable packages, most companies, like when you saw on the beginning of Dynamite, this is brought to you by State Farm. That was State Farm looking for AEW. All the other commercials are ads bought in blocks. And they say, we have a budget of a million dollars and we want four ads in prime time and we want three ads during the uh, during lunch and, and then the rest you can spread out wherever. Uh, and then if there's a controversy like Domino's and Nick Gage, they complain. And yes, it's not like Domino's isn't, spending money with TNT anymore. They're just not going to be on during Dynamite. They're going to swap out a commercial during Claws, and they're going to put it on during Dynamite and put Domino's on during Claws. So anyway, during Domino's, here was the ads, and some of them repeated a lot. State Farm, regular State Farm sponsorship. Golden Corral, repeated at least four times. Wawa, repeated at least three times. <laughs> a BMW dealership. Josh Sellers Wines. Head and Shoulders. Arby's. Framebridge, CatholicsComeHome.com, Straight Talk Wireless, Mayomi Wine, Facebook Meta, Svedka Vodka, at least four times, Popeyes, several times, Liberty Mutual, Club Crackers, QVC HSN, one commercial, Taco Bell, repeated many times, Golo.com for gout, Famous Amos, America's Best Glasses, Dairy Queen, Samsung, AutoZone, Buffalo Wild Wings, Toyota, Navy Federal Credit Union, Vicks VapoRub, Ripple <laughs> Non-Dairy Milk, Stars, Xfinity Home, Progressive Insurance, Prescription Gout Medicine. Again. <laughs> Bounty. I'm sorry. Golo.com is for weight loss. It's not necessarily for gout. Um, Bounty, the, you know, the quicker picker-upper, Star Wars Lego, and Geico Insurance. So you tell me. I mean, and, and listen to the conflict and cross-references. I tell you that 70 to 80% of those ads are exactly the same. And maybe AEW tended to be 5 or 10% lower just because of the Samsung and the Facebook meta. But does, does that scream targeting youth to you, gout medicine? <laughs> Clearly it does. Insurance? Your goddamn vegetables. Right. That's it. it, it so... Yeah. So you all be the judge. I'm just reporting the news. The other thing I want to talk about was a little bit of business. The uh, Full Gear pay-per-view, it's tracking to do about 145,000 cells. Um, the last pay-per-view all out did 205,000 three months ago, so it went down 60,000. I know that some people say, well, all out is their WrestleMania. Bullshit. No, it's not. All four of these okay. pay-per-views are just as important. And this pay-per-view had Danielson, Punk, Cole and a bunch of other people. I mean, a lot of people were saying this was the best built pay-per-view uh, of AEW, the best card. I'm not sure I agree with that or not, but they were no saying way. Adam Cole is no not a draw. Way. I li listen. I like. I know that there are a lot of people on the internet who will hate me for saying this. Adam Cole is not a draw. I can tell yeah. you that because I was in the arena and I know how people reacted to him. They wanted to yell yeah. Adam Cole, baby. They wanted to yell boom. And they didn't react to a goddamn thing he did. Nobody really? cares about Adam Cole. 
Yep. Ask, ask Alexi about that. He was he was their headliner for three years. Um, so uh, so there's that. And and yes, if people want to go full gear to full gear, then yes, they did 105,000 last year, and now it's 100. But that, I mean, it's not. That's not how pay per views work. If you want growth, it's going to be from pay per view to pay per view to pay per view. Growth is that they added all of these people. They added about fifteen people from as your lows like Anthony Green and Tony Nese to your the highest guy out there, meaning status wise, CM Punk, and the second highest status guy in Daniel Bryanson. Or switch 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 the order if you want to switch it. Brian Daniel, I'm sorry, um, Danielson. Switch the order, whichever you prefer. Not to mention also Kiara Hogan, Ruby Soho, and uh, the 2.0, Daniel Garcia, uh, Jay Lethal. I mean, you know, there's, and, and they added the Japanese uh, you know, talent to this that you knew was coming. There were whispers of Okada, so don't talk to me about, you know, that the, the All Out was supposed to be bigger. I'm just saying numbers don't lie. Lost about 30% from the last pay-per-view, even with all these additions. The money that they made... They, they grossed about seven million between the pay-per-view sales, merchandise, and ticket sales. The net of that is expected to be around four million because the pay-per-view platforms keep around forty-five or fifty percent of that. That's for that's for everyone. That's one of the reasons WWE doesn't do pay-per-views anymore. At least doesn't rely on it. Um, they did also have Facebook streaming fee for service internationally. And I believe that, that they may that it's projected they may make a couple more million that way. Um, I don't know if that's a lot or not. I honestly don't know if that's a lot or not, especially when you added 14 talents and got rid of no one in the interim. I mean, I you do what is their quarterly payroll? Is that more than four million dollars with does. CM Punk and? Daniel Bryan, uh, Brian Danielson, and Adam Cole in there, maybe. So I don't know. I'm just reporting numbers. You guys can all extrapolate for you what you want, but that is the business report. And I'm going to continue tracking the ads and writing down the commercials, which is terrible. But this means I can't fast forward through commercials anymore. <laughs> well, in saying that, Jeff, I heard the pay per view number was 175, including the international pay per view buys. So it makes sense what you said. So if it was 145 roughly for the American audience, you add in everything else, it'll probably, you know, be around about 175. And regardless if it's gone down or not, I still think they're great numbers, man. For professional wrestling, when you think about it, that is that is really good numbers, man. So I don't know. If, I I don't know. think they're great numbers. Uh, like really? I think that they're fine. Listen, I think that before before that before they signed CM Punk and and and. Brian Danielson. Um, I think that it would have been impressive, but I think that after those signings, you need to see consistent growth and not consistent backtracking. I mean, CM Punk has even had to go on record and say that, oh, well, like you won't really see the impact of me being here for another six or seven years. Like, yeah, what way to give yourself enough rope, uh, Punk. Um, but no, I, I think that this. I think that the fact that things are going down, and I mean, even the even the the viewership numbers, like they're not getting better. People on the internet, you know, people in the IWC, 
Um, you know, people like What Culture Wrestling keep talking about this as being, oh, this is great. They're doing wonderful numbers and they're really competing with the WWE. They're not. They aren't. That's bullshit. That is absolute fandom saying that they're really competing with the WWE in terms of numbers. Um, could they? Is there a possibility? Do I wish they would? Yes, to all of that. Um, but right now, no, these numbers aren't great. They're okay, but they're okay. I don't know. I think for AEW, I think the numbers are quite good. They could be better, but 7 million is nothing to sniff at, man. I don't know. I don't know what, what wrestling companies used to get when when they did pay-per-views routinely. I don't oh. know what WWE did pre-network days. I, I, I just have no idea. Well, WrestleMania would break the million all the time. Forget, forget a WrestleMania. Right. Put WrestleMania on the side. Uh, let's just talk about the regular, like the in your house, money in the bank. The right. I, I don't. I don't know the answer to that. I, and I'm not even saying these numbers are great or not great. I think that going down sixty thousand from one show to the next after all these additions doesn't look good. But if 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 it turns out that you know when you say for AW we only have two and a quarter year of track record there to to look at, so if in five years it turns out that All Out is always their biggest show, and so everyone has decided somehow to agree that that's their WrestleMania, okay. I mean, if, if that's the way it is, that's the way it is. Um, um, but, yeah, I can tell you numbers actually from WWE pre network. Mm -hmm. I'm comparing them to to AEW right now, and I don't know if you want me to go back to from 1986 or you want me to start from a certain point. No, do do do. I mean, try to do apples to apples. Try like 20. When did the network start? Like 2015, 2014. 2014, the network started. So, so, so give us 2013, 2012. Just pick like three shows each. All right. Okay. Not WrestleMania right. though. Don't 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 pick WrestleMania or SummerSlam. Okay, let me just see the list there. Okay, Royal Rumble. It's only showing me. So, oh, okay. Here we go. All right, let's go secondary pay per views. All right, to be fair. Sure. All right. So in 2012, see, so you got no way out, right? In 2012, in 2012, it did 194,000 buys, which is pretty good for a no way out, right? Backlash for some reason is not coming up. I don't know why. That's okay. But, so but... let me go back to 09, right? So. Oh nine, just that's say a oh, that's a different era. Don't. All right. Well, okay. Fair enough. Let me just do the major pay per views then from twenty thirteen because uh, I don't do know why major. the numbers. Yeah, tell us what tell us what the Rumble did. In yeah, do the, do the, the Rumble did a, that done over five hundred thousand. Wow. Right. Okay. So, so let's go to the major ones, right? So, so, so what you're saying is Chris was right. Wait, Royal Rumble. These are only for the major pay per views, the the big four. Well, in, in a sense. So five hundred seventy-nine thousand for in, for the Royal in Rumble. In the sense that he made sense. Well, yeah, WrestleMania over a meal, obviously. King of the Ring doesn't show up because it didn't exist at that point. So SummerSlam two hundred ninety-eight thousand, and Survivor Series one hundred seventy-nine thousand buys. So yeah, I mean, so WWE six was no almost nine years ago. They 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 did better to significantly better than AW is doing fine, which is fine. It's just my only point is that you're not getting growth consistently from pay per view to pay per view, and this was a pretty big drop. I mean, if it was two hundred five and this one was like one ninety seven, listen, 
the economy is a little bit scary right now. The world's a little scary. Maybe you don't need to spend 50 bucks on a pay-per-view if you just went back to work. Um, or, you know, you're paying an extra dollar fifty a gallon for gas. I get it. But this is a 60,000 drop. This, this is this. I'm just reporting the numbers. I happen to agree with a lot of what Chris said. It seems to be backed up by the numbers that you reported, obviously, in real time. We, we didn't we didn't. The fix wasn't in. And we'll track it. I, we will track the numbers. And the, and I have my opinions. But if the numbers show me that I'm wrong, I'm wrong. The nice thing about being 53 is I've been wrong a lot of times before about much more important things about than wrestling. Fair enough. Chris? Fair enough. Well, this has been fun. I really like this little segment that we've just done about the business side of wrestling. Um, so thank you, Jeff, for, uh, for doing that research and, and, and doing that for us. Um, I want to say thank you to, uh, Michael Jargo who stormed out of here cause he was, cause he was mad about the acclaimed, but, uh, go ahead and follow him, uh, on Twitter, uh, at not Jargo. Right. <clears throat> yeah, see, I remember. I can remember some things a little bit. Um, me, <laughs> uh, you can you can follow me on Twitter also at uh, at Chris Ams the number one. Not like don't write out the number one. I just mean like one as in the numeral one. Anyway, uh, you'll figure it out, or you won't, and you won't be able to follow me. But um, <laughs> anyway, um, also uh, Jeff, can you can you let the people know where they can follow you, and also. Uh, go ahead and plug your shows, man. Uh, it, it's important for us because you're on our network too. That's true. <laughs> and, and before, you plug, before you plug, I just mm -hmm. wanted to say that uh, Jeff is going to be doing a new segment called the Hammerlock Hangover Extra in future where he talks numbers. So Sweet. I just wanted to put it out there. Yeah, so you guys don't have to put up with me during during the show the whole time and you just have your no, that was two great. or three person group. It's, it's a lot of people. I, uh, you know, it's a lot of people, a lot of opinions in, in one thing. But anyway, yeah, looking forward to doing that. Thank you for the opportunity. And thank you for the opportunity of being here and being live with, you know, whoever's watching. Welcome. Thank you for joining us. Hope you found this to be entertaining. Uh, maybe you pulled your hair a couple of times. Maybe you applauded a couple of times. Both are good. The only thing that's bad is apathy. Where can you follow me? My non-wrestling podcast is Garden of Doom. We are smack dab in the middle of UFO month. The nice thing about Garden of Doom, aside from I think it's a good show, is that almost none of the shows are time-specific unless there's really some, unless something really dramatic happens in the worlds of science or archaeology or something like that. So they're sort of eternal. Um, my wrestling podcast, which I co-host with Big Daddy Cool Stephen Pena, is Hammerlock Hangover. You can find both shows on these fine networks uh, at Mark Media and the Pro Wrestling Coalition. So cool on that. And uh, if you think I'm a WWE Mark, which I don't know why people would think that anymore, the way I talk about WWE, but uh, just wait till you hear Big Daddy Cool because uh, he is the he's the white blood cells that keeps Vince McMahon <laughs> alive. There's so much love there. Um, Twitter at EcarusFellMD at Hammerlock HO and both shows have Facebook pages. Thank you. Great, Jimmy. Let them know where they can follow you. Well, you can find me at DJ Mass Effects on Twitter. Also, you can follow the network itself at PWC Network, and please. Like and subscribe at the pwcnetwork.podbean.com where you'll find not only my shows, but Jeff's and hopefully even Chris's show maybe in the future. And when I say Chris's show, all of the shows are Chris's shows, but I'm talking about a particular show, Chris. People have been clamoring for it, dude. Can we get a fast center once again? Is it possible? 
Oh, I think there's a good solid possibility we do something here. Yeah. Um, we're, uh, yeah. So <clears throat> keep, keep your eyes out for that. And, uh, you know, if you're, if, if you're into listening to me talk about things other than wrestling, um, take a look at that show. It'll be fun. Um, but yeah, it was a great show tonight, guys. Uh, thanks everybody for being here. Thank you to the, thank you to the audience, uh, to the people who are listening and to the people who, uh, had a few comments. Um, obviously, Chabelo Villacruz, uh, communism, yay, was absolutely the worst comment. But then he, he also redeemed himself by by saying that as the elite turns again. Um, so he had his. So he had the best comment and the worst comment tonight. So so way to go, Prof. Um, you know, uh, yeah. Be sure to like, share, subscribe. Um, you know share us out for sure if you if you've got friends who are into wrestling or even who aren't into wrestling just share us relentlessly and annoy the crap out of everybody um yeah we love y'all thank you for uh thank you for being with us and we'll see you next week peace peace stable stop recording jimmy
back what? live here on TNT. What the hell? Where it's Serena Deeb. Serena Deeb just clipped the knee of Hikaru Shida. The referee didn't see it. Serena was apparently sitting in the crowd. I didn't even notice her. I didn't either, Cameraing. but she's obviously made the demise of Shida her mission. It's personal with her. Well, remember, Hikaru Shida defeated Serena Deeb to not Shida's 50th win. And this is a a very crucial situation. Oh. This single elimination matchup. Nyla Rose could steal one here, as they say, but doesn't. The grit and determination by Hikaru Shida is prominent here tonight in Virginia. We have seen Serena Deeb and Sheeta split a pair of classic matches, and obviously, Serena very sore about what happened in this tournament. Yeah, sore about it being eliminated from this TBS Championship tournament, and look at Nyla Rose thinking Beast Bomb, but oh. Sheeta knows how to counter it, just strikes, and now look at Sheeta trying to lock in. Win by submission, she wants to win by submission to Sheeta. Hey, the fans and, here into this one. And look at Sheeta rolling back towards center away from the ropes. Nyla Rose in the deep water here. Nyla Rose has got a battle what somehow, some way. The shoulders are down, ref. The triangle oh, locked right. in, but the power bomb, what a counter by Nyla Rose. One arm strength there essentially by Nyla Rose. Oh, the senton on the knee. Great improvisation there by Nyla Rose. And Nyla almost in desperation mode, mode it would seem. Nyla the center. Oh, oh that was, boy, she hit hard. Yes, yeah, she did. Wow, she hit her right hip very hard. Oh, look at this. This is how she pinned Nyla Saturday. No! And that was close. She's still hurting, though, guys. We are indeed in the bottom of the night. And Sheeta with the katana intercepted by Nyla Rose. Nyla got the bad leg. She got the bad leg. Nyla maybe transitioning to a stretch oh muffler. Oh my God! Standing stretch muffler and Hikaru Shida taps out. Nyla Rose. Nyla Rose wins it, but let's give some credit for this victory. The Serena Deep. Serena Deep and Vicky Guerrero punishing the knee of Hikaru Shida and opening the door to the semifinal round for Nyla Rose. It's a tough way to win, a sad way to win if you're a fan of Hikaru Shida. A very timely appearance by the great Serena Deep. And Nyla Rose calling her shot. If Nyla was able to recover from that, which I found to be astonishing. And Nyla Rose not only has eliminated Hikaru Shida from this TBS Championship Tournament, she has tied Shida in all-time wins here in AEW. Thanks in part to the handiwork of Serena Deeb. Tough one for the former champ. Here it is, Nyla Rose will advance to face the winner of Chris Santland and Ruby Soho.
No, 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 no. Hey, hey, Maxwell here, who, who, by the way, could defeat any one of your heroes with a simple headlock takeover. <laughs> He would appreciate absolute silence at this time. I tried. You tried, baby. That's why you're a good friend. And a great accountability buddy. Norfolk, Virginia. Let me explain something to you bumpkins, although I know everything's going to go over your head. You are looking at the guy that checks all the boxes inside this ring, on this microphone. I am easily, easily the most complete pro wrestler on the planet. I am the man who will start a bidding war in the year 2024. I am the past, the present, and the future of professional wrestling. And moreover, if I wanted to, I could take your hometown horse and send him straight to the glue factory. Hell, I could take a big old cowboy shit right on his title reign. But the rankings don't tell you that story, do they? No, because the rankings don't tell you the truth. And the truth is, even though you people hate me oh so much, you all know deep down, I deserve to be the next AEW World Champion. Says the guy that wrestles three times a year. Because nobody in that locker room is nearly as good as me. Nobody in that locker room is on my level. Well, somebody just might have something to say about that statement. When you're talking about who's on whose level,
no, 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 no. Disrespectful, Excalibur. Well, CM Punk knows just how to push MJF's buttons, and you love to see it. So is, help me out here, folks. Is Punk not taking MJF seriously, which I think would be a mistake, or is he just just got in his head and, and MJF will not be able to remove it? here in Norfolk and the fans watching on the TNT will never forget this night. What a hell of a program we've had. And what a way to end it off. And it's not yeah. over yet, Tony. Sammy Guevara. Yeah, you're getting his loco. He is. Oh, oh my God. Fierce chance. Big risk. No payoff. Holy shit. Holy yeah, no payoff is right. Jay Lethal's got a tremendous opportunity in front of him right now. It wouldn't shock me if uh, Dr. Samson stopped this match. Sammy Guevara crashes and burns, and Jay Lethal seizing on the opportunity. He's looking to return Guevara back to the ring. Lethal can end it all here tonight. Let's see what the veteran does. He's got a shot. His, the door is open. He sees it very bright. It's a bright, sunshiny day. Jay Lethal. Or Jay Lethal, or it could be. Oh. The elbow drop, counter by Guevara. Two, whoa. Oh. Lethal telegraphed it, and Guevara, just out of sheer desperation, countered with the roll-up. Good fishing in there by Paul Turner. Yeah, Guevara. I agree. Guevara lands on his feet. Lethal avoids the pump oh. kick. Larry, oh, Guevara rolled through. Thrust kick by Guevara. Amazing, oh, amazing that he landed on his feet on that. Right down to the knee goes Jay Lethal. Boy, this has been a great match. Oh, man. If you're not a fan of Jay Lethal, 
I think he will be after tonight for sure. Lethal just flattened Guevara. Inside leg is hooked. Well, I've always been a fan of Jay Lethal and of Sammy Guevara. And now Lethal steps over the figure four leg lock center of the ring. Lethal showing us why he's considered by anybody that has any brains to be one of the best in the entire world in pro wrestling. He is that, but he's not the TNT champion. That belongs to Sammy Guevara, at least for now. And think about this, not only are the legs of Sammy Guevara being punished or covered, Guevara gets his shoulder up, but as Guevara is pulling himself to the ropes, that's putting even more pressure on those intercostal muscles, on those damaged ribs of Guevara. Biggest stakes you can get on TNT, the TNT Championship. What a night. Sammy's out of bounds. Referee Turner calls for a timely break and gets one from uh, Jay Lethal, who did not hold on to this, to his hold, like we have seen others do. Le Lethal cannot get frustrated here. He slammed his hand, his arm onto the mat in frustration. What a tremendous main event here on Dynamite. What a tremendous show. Absolutely, Tony. And Jay Lethal now the abdominal stretch. He's looking for it. Guevara trying to step around and avoid it. Guevara's got Lethal he up. Can't, he can't get him up. Can't pick him up. Rolling up. Oh! That knee got where it needed to be, right in the face of Jay Lethal. Another massive knee from Guevara. Oh, Sammy. Couldn't get him up again. Lethal. Dragon suplex. No, Guevara. Boom! Sammy reaching down to his bag of tricks. Continues to push forward in all this amazing pain against a world-class performer. Oh, he caught him that time. Sammy Guevara, two consecutive knee strikes. You better try to cover him like right now. Oh, Lethal pulling himself up yeah, for all he's worth. Better go for it, Sammy. Don't give this amazing athlete any second chances. Guevara's got him up. GTH! That's it! Right between the eyes. Sammy, Sammy, Sammy wins it. No winner of this match. And still. TNT champion, Sammy Guevara! Sammy Guevara, just days after Full Gear, comes here in Dynamite in our main event and defends the TNT Championship. Man, what impact on that finishing maneuver by Sammy Guevara. Sammy dancing with Brummy messes number one finishing maneuver he went to that he used it and it worked nothing but guts perseverance determination man we have had and we see chris jericho on in the inner circle coming out to support their man the spanish god sammy guevara the brotherhood of the inner circle standing tall because the tnt champion has scored a hell of a victory. What a night. What a night, guys. Join us this Friday night for AEW Rampage. Adam Cole, Bobby Fish versus Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus. 10, 9 Central on TNT.